And then uh, what I'll do then is I will start the stream. Once I figure out what the fuck I'm doing. There we go. I had an energy drink before we started, and I got a North Coast Old Rasputin Stout and a big old bag of weed. So I'm all set. Yeah, I got my yeah. water. We we are actually currently live. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Way to admit your crimes to the feds. Actually, it's all legal where you're yeah, at. The, um, the, uh, the Democratic People's Republic of California, where cannabis is actually legal. So. Right. Yep. Uh, all right. Cool. So, uh, hello and welcome to the Benzo Rehab Dungeon, uh, episode 98. Um, I, I titled this a whole thing. Let me see if I get this title right. Um, what are you going to do for the 100 year celebration? Uh, 100 days, 100, 100 year celebration, celebration of, of uh, 2022. 100 years <laughs> of 2022. Um, I, I don't know yet, uh, but, but we should. Uh, probably start planning that eventually given that we only have yeah. uh, 14 days to do so now um, alright so uh, the, the official title of tonight's show is perhaps the SCOTUS is just a symptom of callous disregard for human life inherent to the United States of America uh, but that wouldn't fit in the YouTube uh, uh, title thing so instead it's just perhaps the SCOTUS is a symptom uh, hello and welcome to the show. It is the uh, uh, 1st of July, 2022. I'm your host, Michael Deeves. Um, due to an unfortunate incident in the uh, the office restrooms, uh, Danko will no longer be able to join us uh, until the uh, uh, until future notice. Um, also uh, unable to join us is uh, John, the producer. Uh, for the same incident in, in the office restrooms. I will not elaborate further, but uh, they've both been placed on administrative leave. Um, in their stead, we have returning guest uh, C, uh, who, who joined us for the uh, Pete Buttigieg episode we did and also the, the interior design episode we did. Uh, C, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, and to elaborate where you won't, I got my hands on a portable soldering iron, and I soldered... Uh, the bathroom stall shut in the executive office and why John and Danko were in the same stall. I have no idea. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I, mean, I mean, honestly, you, you did the, you did the Benzo rehab dungeon a favor exposing whatever it was they were doing in there. Uh, a, yeah. lot of, a lot of pants pulling up a lot of, uh, a lot of toilet paper uh, cleanup being used uh, as, as we were trying to bust open the, uh, the stall door, but sure. um you know that's all uh you know uh benzo rehab business and uh we, we should not uh 
we should not elaborate too much on that. Um, yeah, see, I will say uh, that uh, uh, w- when I told uh, the the other boys that you were going to be on in in their stead, uh, John immediately called you a scab. And then when I said I would pass those regards on to you, he said, "Good. Also, make sure to tell him he's a class traitor." So, I see. Yeah. Well, uh, John. You're going to listen to this eventually because he is a producer. I don't know what he produces, but uh, go fuck yourself. Yeah, you know, I, he's not going to listen to this at all, but I will make sure that uh, he at least listens to that part. Uh, so, okay, I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, uh, I got your back uh, since since you did cross picket lines to be on the show today. Sure. Um, and I'm a good buff, so, you yeah. know, there, there's, perks to, there's perks to being on the boss's side. Well, uh, now that I'm on the boss's side, I will go out there and say that I've started uh, some preliminary research for the next thesis that I was going to bring you guys. I know sometime in the future, we are going to discuss uh, the intersection of men's fitness and social media. Yeah. And so I'm actually going to have to like sign up for a couple of like online exercise classes, and I will be billing you for that. So Okay, well. <laughs> we'll see what the, we'll see what the benzo coffers uh, can can afford um may, Got it. No may, maybe uh maybe maybe make sure the classes are uh, mostly publicly available and um uh free free as a cost that i i really like uh in a lot sure. of things sure yeah um, well cool uh so uh on tonight's episode uh as i said the the uh the another episode on the supreme court uh mostly uh, primarily, but also uh, kind of digging into the roots of our uh, American culture and how, um, you know, we shouldn't really be too surprised that the Supreme Court is uh, uh, almost comically misaligned with the rest of the public and uh, the public good uh, in general. Sure. Um, but before we get into that, I, I always like to do a show review or like a movie review uh, when we start these. And uh, I I watched a show this week that I'm not too proud to admit I watched, but um, I did anyways. Which is uh, it's called Snowflake Mountain. H- have you uh, have you heard of the show? I have I have heard of it in passing. I don't know what it's about. Can you please enlighten me? All right. So, <clears throat> um, I actually have the trailer here. We can watch the trailer to Snowflake Mountain. Okay. Um. Let me know if you can. Uh, uh, you should uh, de- undeafen yourself on the uh, on the Discord, by the way, so you can hear my stream. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yep, you should be able to to watch this now. Um, and here we go. Here's the trailer for Snowflake Mountain. I need my foundation. I need my lip gloss. I need my highlight and my contour. Snowflake, a young person who's considered overly emotional. Easily offended. Fuck you guys. This is not okay. And dramatic. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my whole life. There's a heap of young adults who can't even unload a dishwasher, let alone hold down a job. And these 10 Snowflakes families have reached their breaking point. So they've tricked their giant babies into traveling far, far away to make them grow the hell up. Where the hell are we? I feel like I'm on a fucking pilgrimage. And that's where we come in. I'm Joel. This is my buddy Matt. I was an Army combat engineer for almost 10 years. 
I'm former Navy Explosive Ordnance Disposal. It's basically the bomb squad. Think Hurt Locker. Now, me and Matt, who survived off the land our whole lives, are going to take these kids back to basics. Hurry up! Why? Because the wilderness forces you to toughen up. Feels borderline abusive. Are they going to rise to the challenge? Animal. Just so you know, I just shit in a paint bucket. Or are they going to do what they do best? I'm not doing that. No way, no way. Melt down. I can see it now. All right, we don't need to watch any more of this. Actually, I'm going to get a rash. A pussy rash. Okay, glad I unpaused it for that. <clears throat> um, so Snowflake Mountain. Um, interesting. Very interesting show. Uh I started watching it initially because I wanted to see, like, uh, I saw a bunch of shit of people, you know, complaining to Netflix about, like, oh, really, you're going to cater to conservatives in this way sort of stuff. Um, Go ahead. I was going to say there's no way that this caters to conservatives more than it just caters to boomer parents as a demographic. Because, like, whose fault is it that these young adults don't know basic i don't know like i i don't know anything about them but uh yeah i don't know it it seems (laughs) to me like it's uh it's it's just pandering to boomers which you know they're all over the place yeah so um it's interesting because you know these these kids are described as snowflakes or whatever um i don't really care for you know any kind of distinction like that uh, really what this is, is this is like a daycare for, for uh, extremely privileged children. Uh, e- each one of these kids comes from a very, uh, you know, like uh, a wealthy family, essentially. Uh, they've never really had to do anything for themselves in their entire lives. Uh, but but I think like, so there's a couple of lies being told in this thing, right? Which is, uh, one, these kids didn't know what they were getting into. That's like played up so hard in, in the beginning. These are all like adult age kids uh essentially sure. so we're talking like 18 plus um one, one of them's like uh i think the oldest one's like 25 or something like that mm-hmm. uh so so you can't just uh send your children uh your adult children away on something like this without their consent so that's the first lie that's being told is that uh these these kids have been sent away on on this like uh this this uh toughen you up camp sort of thing but these are fully adult grown uh people uh who would have to consent to this and you can't just that i mean it would be kidnapping otherwise right yeah Um, yeah so that's the first lie that's being told that would be a much more interesting show if they kidnapped yeah yeah yeah, no that 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 would be a show that i would be i would have like uh i would have pressed myself i would have uh you know been watching that you know at irresponsible times of the day Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love this show if that's what it was, but it's not. Uh, the second line that's being told is is that this is a camp to uh, toughen them up in some way. Uh, it's it's not at all. Uh, it, it's really. I mean, I, I grew up, and you know, I would go to summer camps sometimes when when I was uh, growing sure. up, and uh, nothing they do is anything more strenuous than than you would probably experience at your average like summer Bible camp, right? Sure. So, uh, I mean, like the the most hardcore thing they have to do is um, a, a deer that's already been killed and basically been like uh, stripped down. Uh, they 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 have to break it down into like you know eat edible pieces basically. Sure. Um, 
but I mean, all the work's essentially been done for them. All they're doing is going like, oh, icky, I don't like touching it sort of stuff. Um, mm. <clears throat> the, the other thing about this is, uh, you know, these, these two guys. So you've got the former army, uh, combat engineer and then, uh, uh, former Navy EOD guy. Right. And they're, yep. you know, constantly puffing themselves up about like i mean these are two guys that you can tell like wanted to do like uh boot camp drill instructor shit when they were in the military but sure. like never got the chance to do that and so they're like doing this like little pseudo like boot camp sort of thing with these kids mm -hmm. um and then and then the the last thing is that uh there, there's a fifty thousand dollar uh prize uh for uh, uh whoever they deem is is the best wilderness warrior uh at the end of the show um, is there is one of them like an obvious overachiever they're they're both obvious overachievers who like oh no i i meant the 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 contestants uh i mean yeah i mean it's really played up a lot where where they'll do something extremely basic like like say um you know they they're they're given a task or a challenge and one of them will go all right guys let's get this done and then uh it'll like cut away to the uh, Matt and Joel, the two guys that are in charge of the thing, and you know they'll like completely blow that out of proportion. Where they're like, you know, I was really glad to see Liam stepping up in this moment. He really showed a lot of courage and leadership. And it's like, dude, he's just saying, all right, let's get the cleaning done. Like, it's not anything. Like, everything is like blown way out of proportion. It's it's complete drama. Um, I, I think when I was describing this, because uh, you you're in a chat with uh, Danko and I. Uh, I mm -hmm. described this as a survivor for uh, R-worded people. Um, sure, yeah, I can see that, and, and that's, I, uh, um, that's really what it kind of boils yeah, down to. And that's 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 really it's too bad because that was perhaps one of the most entertaining forms of stupid TV show. We only have really relics of that time period in the form of like Jerry Springer. The Maury Show is petering off, and this particular this putting people in wilderness situations it sort of died off do you remember naked and afraid yeah right yeah, okay yeah. that was good that wasn't great it wasn't survivor good but it was still good um you know it, it was uh it, it was, was it was sure it was passable and if you didn't have anything like rich or entertaining to do in your home life uh that was uh, a great little slice of escapism it was a great like spontaneous laugh or something like that yeah it's uh it's too bad that they had to uh they had to reskin it they had to repaint it for 2022 because i would uh i would love to just see a survivor reboot a survivor reboot where where they take like privileged kids and just sh ship them out to the middle of the woods and like tell them to fuck off yeah, oh would... no just like a regular a regular survival reboot you know i would i would love to see that no no, no no i i just i just think like also adding the spin in there would be fun too oh sure sure um, yeah but no this this isn't it it's uh it's uh it's summer camp for a bunch of privileged kids who are gonna win fifty thousand dollars at the end of it um I think the reason that it's only fifty thousand dollars is because each one of these kids is essentially like filthy rich there's only like one kid in this that uh isn't filthy rich and he he doesn't end up winning it at the end sorry spoilers uh he doesn't end up winning it at the end um but then it does like this uh this follow-up where it's like hey where are they now sort of thing uh after the show 
and uh basically all of them have like started some kind of like uh, uh i don't know um hair salon uh art studio some kind of boutique sort of thing uh never explained where they got the money to start all these things it's because you know they come from money to begin with um and and uh yeah they 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 all like there's no suffering in any of their lives whatsoever they're all fine regardless of whether or not they won um and then the other thing is that uh you know this this matt and joel guy um no we didn't we didn't forget to start recording why are you yelling at me dorian Oh, anyways, Dorian's in the Ooh. chat. Dorian's in the oh. chat. Yeah, Fuck igno- you. Ignore him. Fuck um, you. <clears throat> so, uh, Matt and Joel, these these two hardcore guys that are supposedly in charge of this fucking thing, they they really coddle these fucking like, and I hate to use that word because it's like extremely over overused in general. But mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. the kids these days are just coddled. No, these these guys really actually coddle the shit out of these kids. Where like they'll do a challenge and the challenge is like barely anything that could be considered a challenge. And even though most of them like fucked it up or didn't like pay attention or, or weren't, uh, weren't very good at the challenge, they'd be like, all right, guys, we had a really rough day today, but if you come down to the boathouse, we got a barbecue lined up for you. And so they all just have like a good time and it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's extremely cringe. It's fucking worthless. Um, it's too bad. Uh, nine out of ten. Everybody should watch it. Okay. So, uh, is is now are we gonna touch upon some current events, or are we just gonna dig right into the meat and potatoes of the current events? Well, I thought, yeah. So I thought a good uh, a good link to start us off with was one that you uh, provided, right? Oh wait, Which no, one was sorry, that? sorry, sorry. No, I I have more smut to get through. Um. The other thing I wanted to talk about before we get to uh to to your link about Clarence Thomas. Um so uh uh six takeaways on Cassidy Hutchinson's explosive testimony. This is from the uh January 6th stuff that's uh, that's been going on with Congress. Uh they had uh, uh one of the uh uh who uh, Mark Meadows, there we go. And it was an M name. Uh, they they had Mark Meadows, uh, like assistant aide, uh, gal come testify, um, and uh, basically all all this uh, January sixth stuff with Congress has provided is just like a bunch of entertainment value, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because it's uh yeah I mean it's just like Trump got mad at his Secret Service staff because they wouldn't drive him to the Capitol. Uh, he he threw some uh some hamburgers at a TV when they when they drove him to the White House instead. I mean it, it's uh, I mean she hasn't really revealed anything that we didn't know except for like uh salacious details about the behavior of Trump on that day. Um, we we all already knew that top White House staff knew violence was coming, uh, as this article notes. Yeah. Um, Meadows was no check on Trump's explosive temper. We already knew that. Uh. Republican Mark lawmakers further implicated. Yeah, I mean, how much further could you implicate them? Um, so, uh, really, just kind of like boring, except for like the the funny bits of it of, about Trump. Um, there, there's a separate uh, 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 Department of Justice investigation that's going on that that may actually uh, yield some results. But uh, as far as this, like, um. 
you know, supposedly bipartisan endeavor to uh, to help the process uh, or or like politically punish people. It's not really working and um, nobody fucking cares about it because people are more concerned about like the fact that they can barely pay for gas right now or, or you sure. know, food super expensive and stuff like that. So uh, I just wanted to, to, to point out that uh, the January 6th stuff, uh, uh, the uh, the hearings in Congress, it's really just all spectacle at this point. Um, sure. And uh, if I understand correctly, Trump will be running again in uh 24 right yeah and and that's you know one of one of the points that i'd like to make is that like if you think that this is going to lead to um i don't know any any kind of actual legal action against trump uh it's possible that the department of justice investigation could do that but this isn't going to lead to any kind of legal action whatsoever it's it's a political stunt it's not really working because nobody actually cares about it except for the pundit class of people who, you know, kind of make their living off of uh, talking about this kind of thing. Mm. Um, I don't consider myself one of those people because I don't make a living off of this at all. Uh, but yeah, um, you know, it, like like I was saying, if anybody thinks that this is going to lead to some kind of political or not political, but legal action against Trump, uh, it's not happening. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't expect it. Yeah. Um, uh i it's it's funny uh because that that was uh something you know a lot of liberals were like really riding on i think uh perhaps the last time i ever spoke to my father who was uh kind of one of those uh like centrist democrats was shortly after january 6 2021 and he's like oh well you know, Biden's not going easy on these guys. It's going to be, you know, tough, tough, tough. They're all going to be thrown in Gitmo or something. We'll never hear, hear from them again. And it, it, it felt like it felt like bullshit to me then, because if you like watch the videos of what was happening, it, it looks like uh, like a frat party it, for the most part. It, it looks just like adults, like just messing around. In yeah, a federal and, and you know, th this isn't to say that there wasn't some kind of like, I hesitate to say the word serious. There was a plan of some sorts to try to do something with the election there, of course. Um, sure. But this is being headed by a bunch of clown people who, uh, you know, fucking die climbing up walls and shit. Or, or uh, you know, that guy that like shocked himself in the balls until he died. Um. <clears throat> You know, shocked himself in the balls, caused cardiac arrest, and then fell over uh, because of that. Um, you know, this, these are morons, right? They, they can't fucking do anything. And and uh, you know, let's say let's say they manage to to like capture the Capitol building. Like, does that just mean that we're just like, ah, oh, fuck? I guess they're in charge now. No, of course not. That's not no. how power works. That's not how anything works. Nobody like. It, no, no real person except for again, like uh, I don't know, MSNBC liberal types thinks that like a bunch of idiots taking over the cap capital is actually going to change anything about the country whatsoever. Um, the way it is going to change the country is that now you know a bunch of like Democrats are trying to push for you know uh, stronger control of of the uh, the capital. Uh, 
you know, more funding for Capitol Police, uh, more militarization of Capitol Police, that sort of thing. How did uh, what did the Capitol Police look like in light of the Roe versus Wade overturning? Yeah, you know, I, I made a meme about that. Maybe you saw it. Um, so, you know, during the January 6th riot, which, you know, everybody knew was going to happen to some some extent, uh, you know, you had a bunch of Proud Boys showing up. Uh, at the Capitol and in the days leading up to, you know, uh, when when the vote's supposed to be certified. Capitol Police, you know, are running around in just regular gear that day uh, for the most part. A couple of them were able to put on riot gear before things got, like, real crazy. But for the most part, like, you look at the pictures of that day and it's a bunch of Capitol Police and just, like, kind of regular everyday police gear. Um, remarkably, uh, you know... Um, when uh when when Roe is overturned, uh the police somehow have it uh have it together that day. The Capitol Police do, and uh, they found their equipment. Yeah, they found all their equipment, and uh, they were bust unmasked to uh to the to the uh, uh Supreme Court building, and uh you know fu- fully riot geared up, uh tear gas ready, and everything like that. And then you know once once things get dark and the um. The, the news cameras kind of go away. Uh, they start beating the shit out of people. It's amazing how that works. Wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, th- these are the the supposedly uh, brave Capitol Police that, you know, Nancy Pelosi's talking about in these uh, January 6th hearings. Um, and then, uh, you know, these the same uh, brave Capitol Police are beating the shit out of people wearing pink hats, uh, uh, trying to petition the government uh for uh, a very popular right that the supreme court has decided no longer exists hmm. um i was interested in how many conservatives how many people that tend to vote republican um are like relatively okay or ambivalent towards abortion and i was kind of surprised to hear that that number is pretty high um yeah no it's uh it, it's somewhere around like 70% of the country is just pretty okay with the idea that abortion should yeah. be allowed to, to some extent sure. and, and uh, kicking it back to the states in the way they have. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm by no means uh, an OBGYN or any kind of birth expert. Uh, I, I've barely even seen a woman to begin with. Um, but <clears throat> There's something like 4,000 to 5,000 ectopic pregnancies every year. Sure. And, and the only way you fix that is with abortion. Um, so there are there are a number of anti-abortion states that do not make an exception for an ectopic pregnancy. Right, exactly. And, yeah. and I have also heard that there are states that are looking into or have uh taken action against individuals who have moved or like they've they've traveled out of state to receive uh the health care that they need and are either arrested or litigated against when they come back to their home state yeah yeah Uh, and and that's that's kind of the way this is all going to go is um there's there's going to be more restrictions on this in in the way of not even just restricting the act of abortion itself but uh you know doing anything uh you know positively or negatively uh for for your reproductive 
rights, right? Like um, sure. tubal lit litigation is on the chopping block. Uh, so is, uh, you know, uh, dudes getting their, uh, uh, what do you call it, a vasectomy. Um, <clears throat> I, I don't know very much about this stuff. Again, I'm not an OBGYN. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, all, all these kind of things are on the chopping block. Uh, a bunch of states, you know, uh, have already soft banned or completely banned uh, getting uh, birth control pills uh, or, or plan B pills or anything like that. Um uh, and I, and I think, you know, the, the, the more that this continues to go on, the more we're going to see, uh, things like condoms being banned, uh, in any kind of method you could use as a contraceptive being banned. And, um, you know, this, this turning into an issue where, uh, you, you either have to, you know, <laughs> The, the the idea that abstinence can work or something like that if you don't want to have a child, uh, which is, I mean, the, the people who who think abstinence can work, I I don't know where they come from or or who uh, who wronged them, but like, I guess they just have absolutely no uh, no sex drive or no no will or desire that, or they do not have the the like the outward sexual appeal to be like commanding like that that amount of sexual attention from people right. like, um, we get it nobody wants to fuck you um sure. but that's uh that's not that's not the rest of us i mean e even an ugly guy like me can can find somebody um who, who thinks they're attractive um <clears throat> that's right I, I have a girlfriend uh, <laughs> the, that, that's one more girlfriend than i've ever had um oh, the, <laughs> the, the interesting little uh you know when this was overturned you could like already see like a um like a coastal versus like interior culture war start to bubble up i know that uh charlie baker uh he uh, announced some uh some like action i think he's the governor of massachusetts that uh the state of massachusetts would not be complying with states that are trying to uh, litigate against people who get an abortion to travel to Massachusetts to get them an abortion. Um, and Connecticut has jumped on board with that too. So people that are looking to get a reproductive health care out of state that are afraid they're going to be litigated against, which is uh, continually more of a danger and more prevalent with like period tracking apps where uh, data is being mined and sold to who knows where um uh the, you can theoretically go to connecticut or massachusetts and not be uh well the the states of massachusetts uh and connecticut would not uh, assist your home state in litigating against you i don't think that that precludes you being uh arrested in your home state but at least uh the states of connecticut and massachusetts and their local police departments will not be trying to hunt down out-of-staters receiving uh, an abortion or other reproductive health care yeah and, and i mean that that's that's better than it is bad uh or worse i guess better than it is worse um but also you know what this means is like if you're caught in that circumstance where your home state knows that you went out of state to get an abortion you can never return to your home state now essentially right um because you're going to be arrested the second you step back across that state border. Sure. Uh, so, you know, it, it is good that states are saying, Hey, we'll, 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 we won't extradite you essentially. 
Um, mm-hmm. We're not going to narc on you, but if you find yourself in the position where uh, your state knows that you did this and it's illegal and they're going to, you know, uh, press charges against you for it, uh, you, you're you an outlaw in that state now. Um, sure. Yeah, I've, I've seen uh, just about everyone imaginable throw their, their hat in the ring on this uh on this topic i even uh you know i created a burner twitter account just to watch trump's feed and laugh at him uh prior to january 6th but of course uh, i now use it to look and laugh at nft people and nft people are talking about well you can afford to travel to canada for an abortion uh if you just invest in these nfts and that was uh, well, here's, here's one simple trick to uh don't 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 look at our uh, our recent financial issues. Uh, just just invest, and uh, we'll we'll get you to Canada. Bitcoin uh, might become a real thing in the next few years. Yeah. Um. One one neat trick to I mean, uh, and and that that you know what's funny about that is is something like crypto was basically invented so that you could, um do crimes money without it like yeah. being traced um but you know it's it's so fucked up and dead now that like uh, and, and i mean it's a grift right and and yeah, sure. you know they're they're looking for any excuse they can to get people to invest in it at this point so of course they're gonna jump on this thing i was like look uh you know we were made to do illegal things and this thing that you would like to do is illegal now. So, uh, we're on the same side, right? We're not weird. We're not weird. Right. They're they're getting back to basics. They're getting back to basics using crypto to break the law. Yeah. So, um, so let's go ahead and go to, to the first, uh, uh, you know, main topic link of the night, which, uh, I I felt it was good to to start off with this one that you linked about Clarence Thomas. Um, Would you would you like to give a lead into this, or or is there any specific commentary so you wanted to give? I I just I wanted to research the man a little bit more. I will admit I don't know a, a, a horribly a, a deep biographical uh, anything about him other than he is uh, uh, very like highly aligned with conservative culture values that. Uh, on overturning Roe versus Wade, he is also looking to take a shot at LGBTQ rights. Um, and uh, I, I think some some uh, some court decisions that have been made in, in favor specifically of trans people. Um, I don't know too much about him, but if you want to if you want to take it from here. Yeah, so <clears throat> this article is interesting. It's very extremely short and uh, uh, almost worthless. Um, but, but I, th- I think it is an interesting article that you linked. I'm not saying your link is worthless. I'm saying this, this mm-hmm. article is, is like making a dumb point. Uh, so, so the, the headline of the article is fight the character of Clarence Thomas's view. The Supreme court justice has been predictably, but erroneously pilloried for his concurrence in Dobbs. Um, so, uh, justice Clarence Thomas has been predictably, but, oh, it's just the same thing, uh, for his writing in, uh, his Dobbs concurrence that other precedents, including rights to contraceptives, same-sex marriage, and consensual gay sex, ought to be reversed. But that's not quite what he wrote. Uh, <clears throat> instead, 
Justice Thomas noted that those precedents relied on the doctrine of substantive due process, which he and many legal scholars believed to be incoherent. Alternatively, the justice would inquire whether those same rights might be upheld under the Privileges or Immunities Clause of the 14th Amendment, something that libertarians have been advocating for decades. In other words, Justice Thomas didn't assert that the rights themselves have no constitutional pedigree, but rather that, that the underlying cases securing those rights should be re revisited because of their faulty legal rationale. Uh, and that's, so, that's, that's the entire the, article. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's pretty <laughs> succinct. Uh, my perception of the Wall Street Journal, and you could call me a fucking idiot for, for saying this, but I feel that they are... Uh, just marking cultural milestones for people in the finance world to follow because Absolutely. if people in high finance can uh, be very quickly and briefly persuaded to not, you know, take a stand against uh, a Supreme Court justice opinion or it, to consolidate uh, thought on these issues in the world of high finance uh, would just work favorably for people like Clarence Thomas and it's Deceptive language because it makes it sound like uh, Clarence Thomas is going to say, oh, well, 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 I'm not trying to ban abortion. I'm just trying to roll it back and tweak it. Maybe, <laughs> of course, that's how he's I'm, talking, I'm not talking trying about. to ban abortion. I'm just saying we should take a look at it. And then, uh, oh, shit, it got banned. Fuck. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad that that's what you linked this for, because when I saw that link, I was like, no, no, he's not like going to stand Clarence Thomas, is he? Uh, but uh, but I but I trusted that you were not that kind of person and no no it's right. it's it's simply that people in high finance want a short succinct article that assuages their feelings about whatever the hell is happening in the world um, yeah and 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 so the thing about this is like yeah this this might like to the to the day trader who only cares about like how the money flows essentially um, I mean. What a fucking absolute goddamn lie, right? Like, like sure. the, the the idea that uh, you know his his uh, his deep concern is that he's just such a rules guy that you know, hey, I don't think we 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 uh, we established this rule in quite the right way, and you know this doesn't sit right with me. Uh, you know that that's that's the idea that they're trying to portray about Clarence Thomas. Uh, and, and not that he's just using that as an excuse so that we can get rid of all these rights because he knows who's on the court right now. He knows that it's a conservative majority himself being included in that conservative majority. And that when they take a look at all these rights, they're going to conveniently decide for themselves that, Hey, all these rights need to go out as well, uh, because they're, they're established on faulty legal precedent. Uh, but don't worry, you know, and maybe, 15 or 20 years you can bring a case back up to the supreme court uh with a proper legal precedent attached to it and then we'll rule in favor of it uh he's 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 called out all these rights because he wants to get rid of them uh and he's using this this idea that he's just you know i'm just a silly little rules guy that can't do anything else uh well, to you know that's that's enough for not only people in high finance but that's also uh, that's also enough for uh, a huge swath of the voting population, a huge swath of just uh, the public in general, that if you can convince uh, your average, I, I, I hate to keep pulling them out, but if you can convince your average boomer that this is just like, oh, well, we need to, we need to examine these laws a little bit more closely. And we just need to, 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 to take a step back 
and look at things objectively. If that's how you could, um, if that's how you could compartmentalize it and twist it around and contort it for your average baby boomer, they'll they'll fucking take it and they'll eat it and they'll be happy with it. Yeah. Um, so so I'm I'm gonna agree with you very conditionally here, which is I think this is really you know relying on uh, the the outsized uh electoral influence that the boomer generation has right because they've sure. got nothing but money and time uh to spend and uh when you have nothing but money and time uh and you're extremely privileged and you you've basically been handed the world your entire life uh you get that you get to have these you know little like hypothetical questions of like well sure should this have been based on the legal precedent it was based on, or should we, you know, maybe perhaps uh, roll it back so that we can uh, establish it in a real good, solid legal basis, right? Like nobody actually, like, uh, you know, you said the average voter and, and that's where I would push back on this a little bit. No average voter actually gives a shit about any of this sort of stuff. It is just sure. yeah. old people with way too much time or rich people with way too much time who've never had to like actually deal with any problem in their life whatsoever. Um, and, and even if they found themselves in the circumstance where they need to get an abortion or, you know, needs probably a strong word here, uh, where, where like, um, you know, they knocked up their mistress or something and now they need an abortion. Any, (laughs) any, uh, boomer with a uterus at this point has, has been far past. That shit doesn't work anymore, but, uh, you know, some rich old white guy accidentally knocks up his mistress and it's like, ah, shit, we better get rid of that baby because that's going to look bad to the community. Great. That's great that you say that because if you take a closer look and I'm sorry that I didn't drop a link in here, but if you take a closer look at what Trump has said in regards to abortion over the years, he's very pro-abortion. He calls all kinds of different limitations on access to abortion, other forms of reproductive health care. He says, oh, this is stupid. Oh, this is stupid. This is stupid. This is stupid. He only very recently... Yeah, yeah. Well, well, so, so, you know, when when he was saying all that stuff before, it's because he's a rich guy who keeps knocking up mistresses. Yes, yes. No, I I would never, I would never venture to say that he's this champion of of, healthcare, right? It's all completely self-indulgent. It's all, it's all based off of like, well, this is, you know, what I need right now is the ability to, you know, have legal abortion. Otherwise, sure. I gotta ship these mistresses off to like but France it's, it's, or or, it's <laughs> or something. A funny like that. contrast because uh, as soon as Roe versus Wade was overturned, there was I I wish uh, maybe you have a link to it. I I, I don't. Um, no, I'm not really gonna reason. focus on Roe too much this uh, this episode. Okay. So uh, well, uh, uh, Trump had uh, this woman like this introduce him, and she called it uh, like, "Oh, this is a victory for for white families or white people, the white community." Oh, and yeah, he's yeah. just kind of standing there and kind of just not saying he's not even looking at her he's like looking off to the side um and that to me is an interesting contrast to joe biden who had very critical uh uh very serious anti-abortion stances until he jumped on the bat the bandwagon of promising the codified Roe versus wade into law in his presidential campaign Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later, I think, sure. um, because, uh, there, there's been a deal that was made, um, <laughs> which, uh, 
if you, if you look at the deal that was made, it's, it's, uh, uh, uh yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's laughable to think that, that Biden is some kind of like pro choice, uh, uh, progressive or anything like that. Uh, his, his entire career, he's been anti-abortion. Um, he's he's famously said things like well a man ought ought to have a right in uh in choosing as well you know or or like a voice in choosing as well that sort of thing so um you know once again uh biden as as a progressive as somebody you could push left was this bizarre fabrication of his actual politics um and and you know you get you get these people that like champion Stacey Abrams because Stacey Abrams did so much work to get him elected. And all I can think is like, well, fuck her too. I mean, like she fucking bought sure. into the lie that, that got this asshole elected that like does sure, absolutely for fucking sure. nothing for us. <laughs> she, she may have, she may have bought into that lie, but there is also, you know, a, a very uh, prevalent uh, like cultural attitude uh, amongst liberals that if you don't, hop on the bandwagon and open your coffers and pay your indulgences and vote, 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 vote your heart out this fucking second. You're a traitor and a piece of shit and a Nazi and a lazy and a bad faith actor. Yeah. So, right. you know, that as long as he Which could I'm like all those things, because I don't, I don't think voting is how we uh, do anything uh, positive sure, in this country. Sure. Sure. And I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that, but the, you know, it's it, all he had to do was parrot, the most bare minimum, like bare ass minimum, like imagining this guy reading like uh, the the spark notes of like the DNC platform. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, I don't want to keep you stuck on this topic too no, no, long. No. So uh, it's it's good insight. Um, good good to get a, another voice on this. Uh, uh, you know, last episode it was just uh, uh two traders and uh, myself uh, talking about this issue. Uh, but you know it's it's good to get a you know a fourth uh, fourth opinion on all this. Um, so actually, uh, one one of the major things I wanted to uh, talk about today is that uh, <clears throat> something that hasn't quite received as much attention, uh, but I think is also extremely important is uh, uh, this headline here: uh, U.S. Supreme Court expands state power out of over Native American tribes. Um, so this is a case where, oh man reach my article limit but I, I i remember this case's details so um we'll, we'll just go off the cuff here uh i forget the exact name of the case but uh basically this guy probably abused a child on uh native american lands uh he's not a tribal member um so uh you know it, because it was on tribal lands, the, the tribe is technically who has jurisdiction over him um, at that point, and uh, they're who would be leading the prosecution. The state is who actually decided to try to prosecute him, even though it was done on tribal lands. Um, the tribe, as far as I remember, doesn't really object to the notion that this guy should be tried for something. Uh, what they're objecting to is the the jurisdiction of the state over their lands, uh, mm -hmm. which which typically is not how this is supposed to work. Um, there's there's a concept of tribal sovereignty, which essentially has been upheld by the court more or less, uh, 
kind of goes back and forth depending on what the issue is. Uh, sure. Money obviously has a lot to do with how these rulings come down. Um, but basically, the uh, the the uh, the majority opinion uh, written by Brett Kavanaugh, very cool guy, uh, states that. Um, or says rather, because I'm going to say the word state a bunch, I should say says, uh, uh, it says, uh, that, um, tribal land should be considered part of the state and that the, the state should, uh, should exercise some, some jurisdiction over these tribal lands. Um, this, this is laying down a pretty severe, uh, uh, precedent because, uh, that's not the way that the law has typically read uh one one of the the bizarre things that came out of this um because uh sorry white ladies but sometimes white ladies can only fucking think about themselves yeah um which which is this next article here is that uh some people were theorizing uh so something i agree with here right um federal lands could possibly be used to facilitate reproductive health care federal law always uh supersedes state law that's just the way it works and you can't exercise state law on federal lands it's its own separate thing right hmm. so i agree with that uh the federal government if it wanted to do anything about this which uh the federal government is run by a person named joe biden uh doesn't seem very interested in uh, circumventing these state laws whatsoever but if they wanted to circumvent these state laws they could set up uh, reproductive health care facilities on federal lands and say, fuck you, we're the federal government, we do whatever we want on our lands. Mm-hmm. Um, the other argument that people were giving is that, uh, well, tribal lands are technically sovereign nations to, to themselves. Um, perhaps uh, uh, the, the Native American tribes would, would be uh, interested in setting up abortion clinics on their properties and the states wouldn't have any recourse against them sure so the uh, the fact that uh states have now basically been given the green light to prosecute people for crimes on tribal lands means that this is no longer a viable option uh also why the fuck would you think it would be a viable option why like um for for tribes to set up these operations for you, the people who came into their uh, country and uh, beat the shit out of them, genocided sure. them, shoved them under, under shitty like reservations, uh, constantly uh, restrict their rights, um, starve them, poison their waters, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I was going to say uh, performing <laughs> eugenics. Yeah, performing uh, eugenics. eugenics. Exactly. Yeah. Which is why eugenics. this. Which is why this is so fucking insulting because. Um, <clears throat> Uh, th- this article doesn't quite get into it uh, all the way, but um, so uh, we we have some 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 people here on on social media. This guy named Neil Gottlieb saying, hoping that hashtag Native American tribes bring hashtag abortion centers to tribal lands like they have with gaming. Would oh, reduce- of course. <laughs> yeah, right. Way to bring that one up, which is like actually a bad thing that tribes have done is, is I, I need i need i need to play fortnite while i get my bisectomy mike no no no. he, he means gaming like uh gambling oh no, never mind yeah 
uh, which, which uh, if you know anything about gambling in uh, in Native American lands, it's done nothing good for the community and enriched a, a very select few uh, people in, in the uh, Native American communities. Yeah, sometimes it does good things for the community as a whole, but it uh, uh, turns out that capitalism uh, uh, just permeates everything at, uh, mm. uh, <laughs> within the borders of America, re- regardless of what demographic you belong to. Sure. I've noticed that a lot of these uh, a lot of these reservations are also landing on states that have pretty clearly outlined abortion rights. Like I'm seeing like a lot happening on the West Coast, uh, right. Washington, yeah. Oregon, California. Yeah, yeah. I these, mean, there, there's some in some southern states, though. Uh, uh, to be fair to the argument, so I mean, it's not necessarily a bad idea. Uh, it, just just off off of like appearances i guess um sure. would reduce travel for many safe reproductive oh re- would reduce to would ugh, would reduce distance to travel for many safe reproductive for many for safe reproductive health care man that's twitter makes people talk stupid god damn yeah um map is indian gaming facilities uh which is amazing okay. um Another person, I don't know any of these people. Uh, hashtag tribes to, should seriously consider putting a hashtag abortion clinics on the hashtag reservation, not for white women, but for the revenue and to draw more hashtag medical, hashtag professionals to the area, make the rules. Um, it's great. Throwing more money at it. I, I love this. Yeah, I mean, like, hey, uh, th- they'll, they'll, uh, they'll make money off of it, so that's good for them too, right? So uh, this uh, this person Deandre A. Smiles PhD says uh, the discord discourse around Native American tribes should open abortion clinics on their lands has a really interesting connection to the ongoing narrative that settler colonialism's salvation and maintenance is found via the use of indigenous land. Agree with? I'd say that's like that's like two thirds of a good take. I'm a little skeptical, like what angle it's coming from, but. That's that 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 is an interesting that is an interesting take that like you know we're we're constantly as a nation constantly abusing uh, the personhood and the sovereignty of indigenous groups and now uh, we're looking for them like oh my god help us circumvent federal law um, I guess it isn't happening yeah so um, shoot where did this link go I had a I had a whole link about this shit. Oh, here we go. Pull it over here. Um, so, uh, in in the talk of reproductive rights, what's being forgotten a lot, I think, is also positive reproductive rights, um, which uh, the the Native American tribes are are incredibly interested in. Um, this article here is from the uh, <clears throat> nlm.nih.gov. Um, and uh, it, it's an article about how uh, the U.S. government had to admit to sterilizing uh, 3,406 American Indian women without their permission between 1973 and 1976. Um, so that's, that's uh, you know, 3,500 uh, uh, essentially women uh, forcibly sterilized uh, between 1973 and 1976. 
Uh, if you think that 1973 and 1976 were the only years that Native American women were forcibly sterilized, um, I don't know what to tell you, but that's not the case. Well, there's <laughs> only two states in the in the U.S. that uh, have a ban on forced sterilization: are North Carolina and Alaska. Yeah. Um. um and and so th- this was a this was a common practice amongst tribes was uh well not by the tribes but against the tribes i i would i would say uh by by the u.s government uh the u.s government sterilized forcibly probably tens of thousands of native american women if not more and that's not even like uh counting you know the fact that killing them also is a form of sterilization um and and so you know it's it's, it's incredibly offensive that <laughs> you know the people would try to find salvation in native american tribes who have been trying to fight for like their positive uh ability to reproduce for so long sure. um uh that that like hey uh we're we're gonna lean on you for salvation from our shitty court that has done horrible things to you its entire existence um and and now we're gonna seek shelter in your lands uh, and is still ruling against uh like manifest destiny type precedents um yeah right so so we'll talk about that a little bit but um i figured the subject of uh forced sterilization and and positive reproductive rights kind of ties into uh, a topic that you would link to which was the birth dirt uh, is, yes is, is this prob- probably a good time to bring that up yeah all right so yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, the birth dearth is a, a term that was coined by a man named Ben Wattenberg. Uh, Jane Elliott, in that video that I linked to, you, will bring it up later, um, but yeah, not it's, to it's tread the, too it's much. It's the next link if, uh, if, if you want to be aware okay. of it. Okay. Well, not to tread too much on what she already said, uh, Ben Wattenberg was a, uh, a presidential advisor to Lyndon Baines Johnson and one other president, I can't remember, it might be Reagan, um, that and he penned a number of books from uh, the early 70s. And I think his last uh, really like serious publication came out maybe like 15 years ago. Um, he wrote this book called The Birth Dearth uh, that outlines what seems to be the center of anti-abortion rhetoric in the U.S. Um, and uh um, once again, I'm not going to take too many words away from her, but it's this term that uh, refers to falling fertility rates and uh, the fear that uh, a dip in uh, births uh, between white couples uh, is going to lead to an offset in which white people are no longer in uh, the racial majority in the U.S. And it's also the term is used in Europe. Um it's also interesting to note that where Ben Wattenberg mostly uh, he deals with uh, like like civil rights in a lot of his writings, he coined the term social issues. So if you've used that word or if you've heard that word wielded by a politician, uh, it would have uh, been coined by him. Uh, this book came out in 1987 and uh, yeah, book came out in 87. Uh, and he has been considered one of the most uh, impactful uh, writers and advisors of his time. Uh, yeah, national affairs claim that Wattenberg, quote, challenged and reshaped 
conventional wisdom at least once a decade. End quote. I really like, um, <clears throat> I feel like it's not without noting that Benjamin, Benjamin Joseph Wattenberg, born, born Joseph Ben Zion, Zion Wattenberg. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> his his parents his parents hammered out his destiny from the yeah. day he was born. Uh, that should should tell you almost everything that you need to know. You wouldn't have to read past his name to get a, a feel of what he is politically representing. Yeah, for sure. All right, so uh, do we want to go to um, the video? Let's do it. All right, so this is, uh, sorry, remind me your name. Uh, Jane Elliott. Jane Elliott, okay. And she, and she's speaking on the birth dearth. And right now, white people are really frightened. If you don't understand the destruction of Planned Parenthood uh, offices, and you don't understand the wall that we're going to build on the southern border of the United States, you haven't read the book The Birth Dearth by Ben Wattenberg. Ben Wattenberg was a brilliant Jewish man who was a member of the American Enterprise Institute. And he wrote a book, the first paragraph of which says, the main problem confronting the United States today is there aren't enough white babies being born in this country. He was an advisor to presidents of the United States. He wrote the book in 1987. He says there are, if we don't change this and change it rapidly, white people will lose their numerical majority in this country and this will no longer be a white man's land. Now, I'm not misrepresenting, misrepresenting this. I'm telling you exactly, almost exactly what he says. He says there are three things we can do to solve this. Number one, we could pay women to have babies as they have been doing in Western European nations for years. Then he says, and these are his words, not mine. Unfortunately, we would have to pay women of all colors to have babies, so we don't want to do that. He says the second thing we could do is increase the number of legal immigrants that are allowed into this country every year. Then once again, he says, unfortunately, the vast majority of those wanting to come to this country today are people of color, so we don't want to do that. The third thing he says, and white men, women had better pay attention to this, 60% of the fetuses that are aborted every year are white. If we could keep that 60% alive, that would solve our birth dearth. Does that sound like racism to you? Can you talk a little bit about the trauma associated with it? We need to watch this any further. Or, yeah. One of the main traumas is it tells white people that they are superior because of the. No, of I don't think it's necessary to continue yeah. going on. I mean, that's 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 most of the the the, the what you're going to drive uh, what she was going to say, and I think that taking it any further would kind of uh, make the rest of our conversation here redundant. But. Um, <clears throat> You know, if, if you take a hard look at all kinds of civil liberties in the U.S. Uh, and you trace their histories back, you often find uh, uh, a precedent that's steeped in racism. What? That's steeped in racial discrimination. <laughs> yeah, crazy, right? Um, I find that uh, if you look into the history of gun control, it almost exclusively targets African-American communities in the inception of its history and uh, inadvertently does so today uh, by, you know, Democrats are proposing, you know, taxations on uh, uh, like very steep taxes on AR-15 so on and so forth. Yeah, anyway, um, without uh, going off track too much, um, the, the root of this is based in uh, race, uh race topics uh and really identity politics you know yeah that's that's a that's often a, a dog whistle 
that that conservatives use to call out other people. However, this seems to be a, a very serious case of identity politics here where uh, Wattenberg is concerned about uh, the, the security of a white majority in the United States. Yeah, you, you brought up something. Uh, you might be seeing me trying to Google search something, but there, there was an article that I remember seeing not too long ago that essentially made the, the argument that uh, uh, one of the positive effects of racism was that it did a good job on gun control because the, when the Black Panthers uh, took over like a couple of government buildings and stuff. Yeah, the, uh, the, 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 the governor's building in Sacramento, California, yeah. in which uh, the governor at the time was Ronald Reagan. Right. Um, and, and so As we the, all the, know, article, uh, the article was essentially making the point, uh, like one of the spiciest hot takes out of, out of the Uvalde massacre was uh, that, hey, uh, there was this time that racism actually like kind of nailed the gun control thing because when a bunch of black people took over the government's or the governor's uh, uh, mansion, um, uh, <laughs> all of a sudden sweeping gun control went into effect. It's like, man, yeah. you really fucking missed the point on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, to speak to the, the birth dearth issue, um, uh, right. Th- th- this all stems from this, this idea that, you know, I- I've seen, I've seen a lot of stuff about like how this is, you know, to, to create, uh, you know, more, uh, uh, labor class people, more, uh, soldiers for you know the military industrial complex that sort of thing and those those things are of course both true but also there there's a, a different aspect of of it which is also trying to essentially reestablish, um and reestablish isn't even the right word to use uh but secure and maintain um i mean it's, it's the, the the 14 words and the 88 letters right yeah yeah <laughs> We must secure uh, the, uh, whatever. I, I don't know it by heart because I'm not a good enough Nazi, I guess. Um, yeah. But, you know, we, we must well, secure. Ben Zion Wattenberg might be. Yeah, he, he might have been able to recite that one. Um, a Jewish man very concerned with the, how many white uh, babies are being born. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just the idea of securing your your race's place in, in the next uh, generation. Sure. Even though, you know, nothing has has actually been done to kill off your race. Like there's uh, nothing like exclusively being done in America to kill white people. It's just that uh, sometimes white people say to themselves, Hey, uh, this person who has a brown skin tone is attractive to me and I would like to be with them. Um, That's, that's what like the, the, the white replacement theory is essentially is, too many attractive colored people are in this country and uh white people aren't making enough white babies sometimes they're mm. making mixed babies right <laughs> i see and uh i the one of the reasons that i, I where i'm not so well versed <laughs> in clarence uh, clarence thomas's uh career i am very well versed i have studied ben wattenberg's career uh at length even before you know the the topic of doing this episode came up earlier today um Wattenberg's initiative uh, throughout his life, he is, for most of his career, he's a Democrat and only uh, flipped to a Republican affiliation in, I think, 2000 or 2001, uh, that that his actual hard affiliation uh, switched to a Republican. Uh, he 
has been trying to pull the Democratic Party further to the center. And uh, based on what we see in a lot of Biden's choices, Biden having been uh, a fresh young senator by the time that Wattenberg was already well into his career, um, is following the precedent of trying to bring uh, his party or trying to push further what we call like like bargaining, you know, meeting meeting the Republicans in the middle because having drifting towards uh, more centrist policies had uh, had a positive effect to the Republican Party in the '90s when they had a majority, um, and so even before that, um, I think that this would be interesting to note that Wattenberg hasn't at all been shunned for his belief. In fact, PBS had a TV show where he discussed his topics in the birth dirt that's called the grandfather gap or the grandparent gap. Uh, so even after this man espoused all of these uh, viscerally racist ideas, PBS decided to syndicate it, give him a TV show. Yeah, this uh, this Wikipedia article uh, notes that <clears throat> Wattenberg was the host of a number of PBS television specials, including Values Matter Most, The Grandchild Gap, America's Number One, Ben Wattenberg's 1980, The Stockholder Society, A Third Choice, about the role of third parties in American politics, Heaven on Earth, The Rise and Fall of Socialism and the Democrats. Uh, he hosted the weekly PBS television program Think Tank with Ben Wattenberg from 1994 to 2010 and previously hosted PBS series In Search of the Real America and Ben Wattenberg at Large. So this 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 uh, man, as as it were, is uh, rather important uh, to the scope of shaping and reshaping political thought in the U.S., whether or not we know him well. Um, and there are certainly a number of anti-abortion uh, Republican centrists, uh, what have you, um, that would, you know, they'd shake their hands and say, no, 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 that's not why I'm anti-abortion. It's like, well, it doesn't fucking matter because the, the personal opinions of a voter and which way they vote doesn't take precedence over, uh, or doesn't take precedent rather over um, the, the values of these older centrist and right-wing leaning politicians of which Joe Biden is amongst that number. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, and I think this kind of leads us into one of your other links was, which was the, uh, the Wikipedia article of the, uh, Republican majority for choice. So, yeah, this is a, an organization that actually, uh, represents quite a bit of, of the Republican party in just in like a straw poll. But if you scroll down a little bit to, uh, review the politicians that are actually, a part of this initiative, there are a bunch of fucking nobodies. Um, the the two names that pop out to me the most are Susan Collins from Maine. She's uh, she's uh, kind of a, an incendiary figure in New England politics, and uh, the biggest name on here has got to be Mitt Romney, who has uh, flipped a switch on his stance on abortion uh, since he relocated to Utah. Yeah. So Susan Collins, uh, I, I will point out, um, I think is actually mentally disabled. Um, okay. Yeah. She she says I mean, the dumbest things ever, and and I think she, you know, there's there's 
politicians that'll say extremely dumb things and because you can tell that like they can't say the truth uh and so they have to like settle on a really dumb lie uh susan collins i think just genuinely is is dumb enough to to not know like like she one of one of her things was uh when when uh the the row like leak came out right uh she she tweeted about how like this is completely different than what brett kavanaugh told me in our personal meetings and and lots of people said that kind of shit of course but like susan collins is one of the few people i believe actually thought that that was true um sure that brett kavanaugh like was telling her the truth at that time and was genuinely shocked and surprised that uh <laughs> that he lied to her well that's uh I think that's kind of par for the course. I, I, you know, Maine, the politics of Maine don't get brought up a lot and I'm not going to go off on them too much, but I, I don't know if you've been there yourself, but the, 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 the political landscape of that state is really fucking confusing. It's all over the place. Uh, I have some right, friends yeah. and loved ones that, that live there. Uh, and I, I, I've read up, on uh, local elections and state politics. And the place is a fucking mess. It's all over the place. It, it kind of uh, doesn't surprise me that she is in a position of power. She seems just as confused as everyone else. For sure. I mean, uh, th- this is a woman who uh, called the police because uh, uh, p- th- this was before like the actual official decision was handed down. Uh, she called the police because some people in chalk wrote some stuff about how she needed to codify uh, 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 a pro-choice bill in her state. Um, mind you, they they wrote it in chalk, nothing threatening, no. basically just said something to the effect of, please pass this bill if you're serious about uh, 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 reproductive rights. Um, she called the cops uh, over, over a defacement of public property. Again, chalk. Wow. So they they yeah. called out a, a public works uh, worker to hose it down off the sidewalk. Um, I think she really is as dumb as uh, she she appears. But sure, uh, go yeah, on. I believe it. Um, there's been uh, and just the, the the inverse of this uh, anti-abortion Democrats uh, have their names have started to uh, bubble up a little bit more. I think the one that stands out the most. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, this is the next uh, link that we should look at of yours, I think. Uh, So here are the congressional Democrats who donated to anti-choice Dem Henry Cuellar. Uh, Cuellar is down in uh, Texas. Uh, He had a very strong primary challenge, as this article notes, uh, from pro-choice Jessica Cisneros. Um, if you think that's like a bit of propaganda or whatever, uh, it had to go off to a runoff uh, election. Um, so oh, wow. she she came like within one point of uh, beating him in the primary and they had to hold like a revote, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so um, Jessica Cisneros could have actually been the uh, the Democratic uh, choice for the. Um, for texas i don't know what fucking district this is but yeah. whatever district it is in texas um uh she she could have been the the actual democratic candidate uh instead of choosing a, a progressive um democrat uh to back in the primary uh what the establishment did what the dnc did is they backed uh henry Cuellar 
who disagrees with them on gun control and you know i've i've got mixed opinions on uh gun control in general so that's not like a big ticket issue to me but the democratic party uh supposedly cares a lot about gun control he disagrees with them on gun control he disagrees with them on abortion rights uh so you know like these two huge big ticket items that you know the the democratic party is using to fundraise right now he disagrees with them on and still they back him instead of a progressive candidate who more or less falls in line with them on both of these issues um and you know, I, I would say probably that the thing that uh, lost uh, lost her the backing of the DNC, uh, uh, you know, uh, political machine is is that she also you know thinks that like universal health healthcare is good. <laughs> I was I was going to I, I I my my counterpoint to that is we're we're starting to see you know uh, and part of this is because like an influx of people from out of state into Texas. We're seeing Texas start to become a battleground state between uh, Democrats and Republicans. And I think that they're backing uh, Henry Cuellar as the winning horse because this is one of those instances where you might be able to uh, persuade uh, sort of like centrist, uh, typically conservative-leaning Texans with someone who is anti-abortion and uh is uh stands against uh the democrat the democrats plans uh for gun control stands against the dnc platform uh you know at, at this point like they, they, they don't give a shit about anyone's rights uh the the nation abroad but if they yeah. have the opportunity to to win out in a traditionally in a state that's been conservative been voting conservative for what 60 years now well so so here here's why i disagree with you on that because uh uh, Cuellar is actually an incumbent, uh, so so he owns the seat in this district. Um, it's sure. it's a Democratic okay. district. They could have backed a progressive to replace him. Uh, they decided not to. Um, if you know Texas, as you say, and I agree with this to some degree, uh, a lot of parts of Texas are becoming kind of battleground uh, sort of uh, states. Um, you, you would actually probably want a progressive because that means you've had progressive or more progressive people move to that area. And if your actual goals are what you state your actual goals are, you would want somebody that more aligns with those goals than somebody who uh, who misaligns with them. There's also, you know, I, I, I understand the strategic aspect of, uh, you know, maybe choosing somebody who who has like a better chance of winning i suppose um just just based off of like uh incumbency and stuff like that uh but you know part of the huge problem of the democratic party is that they refuse to take any real stand on anything right mm-hmm. um and so when when they when they favor someone who technically disagrees with what their like official stated platform is over somebody who does agree with what like two major points of their platform uh really what they're saying is we're cowards and we don't actually want to change anything we we want to win in a way that's only uh uh winning as as far as like our team scored enough points but it's not like i don't know it's 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 winning a battle but not the war sort of thing right and and sure sure any kind of principled stance on this 
uh, yeah, I think what I, you know, was really driving at is that we might see the transition to Texas becoming a majority blue state. We might be able, uh, or we might not be able, sorry. Uh, we might see uh, Texas tend trend towards uh, the DNC. So I, I think that whatever, whatever maintains the status quo in typically DNC voting areas, they're going to stick with it. They're going to ride with it and they're going to move on to the next district. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think there's, there's a, a case to be made for, for both of these concepts. Um, I have very little faith in electoralism in the future though. Yeah. Um, which, which, uh, you know, I, I just moved a link up so that we could look at this next. Um, sure. So uh, the Supreme Court has agreed for its next term uh, to hear a case that could gut voting rights. Um, so this article from the Intelligencer, which is run by the New York uh, Magazine, um, Supreme Court agrees to hear a case that, no, well, I just read that. Uh, on its way out the door at the end of uh, its fateful 2021 to 2022 term, the U.S. Supreme Court raised alarms by agreeing to hear when it returns in the fall, Moore versus Harper, the North Carolina redistricting case could wind up all but abolishing the right of state courts to interpret state laws and constitutions in election cases. Um, so basically, a conservative, uh, more or less Republican-leaning uh, court uh, has agreed to take on a case about gerrymandering. Um, gerrymandering, you know, the for for decades now. Uh, the Democratic Party has done very little to fight back against gerrymandering. And that's why sure. even though, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton won the, the popular vote in 2016, she she lost the uh, the actual uh, electoral vote. Um, it all comes down to gerrymandering of districts and stuff like that. Um, sure. Democrats have basically done nothing to fight against this for for decades. They've they've slowly let. Republicans take more and more control of how the districts are drawn. And if you look up like gerrymandering maps and stuff like that, you get some of the most insanely drawn uh uh like uh district maps that you could possibly imagine. Like like it almost my my favorite one has to be Dan Crenshaw's district, and I didn't know anything about it until someone made a joke. They're like, Oh, this is Dan Crenshaw's district as his eye patch because he has an eye patch because he like lost it and uh he's a he's a veteran or something but his yeah. his congressional district is insane it's 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 crazy it, it uh very uh haphazardly uh loops around uh yeah Houston so I, I, just, and, I just brought it up um yeah yeah, that, that's an insane map that that doesn't represent anybody. <laughs> yeah, except perhaps the people who who vote within it, who are probably, um, you know, I've only been to Houston uh, a couple of times, but that seems to represent uh, wealthy neighborhoods in the center of the city, as well as majority white suburbs. Yeah, that's so the, what, what typically happens with gerrymandering is you get enough people in this area who are going to vote for your guy, right? Yeah. Uh, based off of their demographics. So you get a bunch of wealthy white people who are going to vote for your guy. And then you also include a, a certain amount of people who won't vote for your guy. Um, 
you you heavily slant the math, of course, so that there's no chance that the people who won't vote for your guy never have a chance of winning this. Uh, and so what you do is you eliminate that voter base from the other districts and uh, also secure your vote in, in this district that you've drawn. Sure. Um, again, the, the Democratic Party has done very little to fight back against this. And uh, this case that the Supreme Court has picked up is going to essentially determine, you know, who who gets to determine these districts, uh, how how they're drawn, and uh, whether or not, like, and and you know, dubious to think that state courts are going to be fair in this to begin with, uh, but it is it's going to give you know a lot more power to uh, gerrymandering, um, uh, depending on how they rule on it. Um, so. You know the the idea that like electoralism is how how we beat all this stuff is is kind of almost a foregone conclusion when whenever they pass down their ruling next year. Um, which, uh, if anybody doesn't understand like why all these rulings are coming out now, uh, this is this is the end of the Supreme Court's term, and typically they hand down rulings at the end of their term, uh, so that anybody who's retiring can just fuck off and retire. Anybody that's coming in is ready for the next term, et cetera. Um, that's that's why all these rulings are happening now. That's that's why they're all being announced now. Uh, I think mm-hmm. the the uh, the term literally like just ended today, and uh, Katanji Brown Jackson was sworn in in uh, Breyer's uh, 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 spot. Um, Breyer uh, was was kind of one of the more liberal leaning uh, justices on the court. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's not changing any of the demographics of the court. There's still a conservative majority, uh, five, four, or six, three uh, in most cases. Um, so not not a whole lot is changing about the makeup of the court, except for who is going to be writing the uh, the uh, dissents. Um, but I think it was a Good Morning America. I think they tweeted today. Hang on, I'm I'm, I'm checking this right now, but I believe it was. Good Morning America. Yeah, Good Morning America posted uh, yesterday on the 30th of June, Tanji Brown-Jackson is sworn in as the first black Supreme Court justice in the U.S. Yeah. yeah. That was, that was a, that's a real tweet. <laughs> I'm sorry. Could, could, you, uh, could you repeat that just, just in case anybody missed it? Katanji Brown-Jackson is sworn in as the first black Supreme Court justice in the U.S., Man, Clarence Thomas must feel real bad right about that. Or perhaps Thurgood Marshall. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about him too. Uh, uh, the, uh, a man, a man who uh, did, in fact, uh, work to uh, you know uh, uh, rule in favor of abortion rights. Yeah, um, no, uh, Thur- Thurgood, Thurgood Marshall was uh, was a little bit based, um, to be fair. Sure. Yeah. Um, so CHS Wildcats 19 writes in the chat, as someone who is fairly familiar with Houston, you are absolutely right. That map represents wealthy areas of central Houston and white suburbs. Yeah. yeah okay. That's... Well, thank you, Wildcat. Thank you. Thank you for, for affirming my words. Um, <clears throat> let's go ahead and go to the next link. Uh, which is uh, U.S. Supreme Court rules against EPA and hobbles government power to limit harmful emissions. Um, 
The court sides with Republican states as ruling represents landmark moment in right-wing effort to dismantle regulatory state. Uh, so the U.S. Supreme Court has sided with Republican-led states to, in effect, hobble the federal government's ability to tackle the climate crisis in a ruling that will have profound implications for the government's overall regulatory power in a 6-3 decision that will seriously hinder America's ability to stave off disastrous global heating. The Supreme Court, which became dominated by right-wing justices under the Trump administration, has opted to support a case brought by West Virginia that demands the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, will be limited in how it regulates planet heating gases from the energy sector. Um, this is... Uh, this is... I mean, well, the, the, I'll, I'll the, let you the, comment first. The principal problem in this sort of a ruling is that there is no general consensus between both parties or just between average people on the validity of climate change science or the 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 discussion of climate change and the the relation that humans have to impacting or accelerating climate change there when you have two completely different spheres of thought and you have one party who is overly indulgent in this idea of being the nice guy and meeting people in the middle where you have this very bullish conservative party that refuses to to really budge on any of their points in uh in the court of debate, the person that's going to win is the one with the bullish attitude, the 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 uh, the aggressive uh, uh, opinion, and with a conservative packed Supreme Court, of course, there's there's not going to be any sort of favorable rulings uh, towards uh, clean energy or towards uh, minimizing our um, our our impact on on global heating. Yeah, and, um, you know, another thing is that this kind of lays down also like a precedent from here on out that anytime a state wants to have an issue with uh, whatever the EPA is doing, um, and, and mind you, a state would have, have an issue with whatever the EPA is doing to regulate, right? Uh, they, they would have that issue because, you know, it's like, hey, the EPA found a bunch of... Uh, uh, toxic waste in the, the streams around this uh, this plant, uh, whatever the plant may be, this this factory, you know, um, makes your state a shit ton of money, but also is like poisoning people and, sh and shit like that. Uh, this, this basically kind of lays down the precedent that the EPA has no regulatory power at all. The EPA is already like a really defanged agency that can really only like fine people at the most, uh, usually. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's got very little like judicial power to prosecute anybody or anything like that. Uh, only in like really severe egregious cases, um, you know, think things like DuPont, like, uh, you know, poisoning like thousands of people and, and shit like that. Um, that's, that's really only when they, when they can actually like operate, uh, in any kind of judicial, uh, uh, capacity. Um, this, you know, saying that the EPA can't regulate emissions from a power plant or or any kind of plant, really, uh, mm -hmm. kind of just lays the groundwork for future uh, rulings saying, 
oh, uh, you know, the state is saying the EPA was being too mean to one of its like big ticket uh, uh, industries. Uh, sure. So, so we're gonna, you know, roll back EPA's right to even like fine them or anything like that. Well, th this is this also, you know, sets uh, sets a precedent for people, uh, for company, not people, corporations that are uh, that tend to align more with with democratic interests. A lot of tech startups and companies like Amazon were like AWS warehouses that are, you know, driving internet servers. Uh, siphon and funnel river water for example you know like the epa is going to be powerless to do that at this point um and uh with a growing even though it's it's kind of a failing market a growing government interest in crypto where crypto uh, <laughs> uh a lot of the facilities that that uh that work on like crypto algorithms to unlock new blocks of bitcoin uh are water cooled you can't air cool those facilities. You need these giant processing warehouses. Um, yeah, this is a big problem. A, there's actually been like a notable shift in uh, carbon emissions now that crypto has had like a massive uh, uh, like economic upset and a bunch of people have kind of like deinvested in it. And uh, there's not a sure. lot of reason to run your, your crypto rig right now. Um, because of that, there's there's been like a, a notable decrease in, in carbon emissions. Obviously, not nearly oh. enough uh, to to like change the direction we're heading sure. uh, in in our global climate at large. But um, it, it's 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 funny that uh, yeah. Well, my 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 point was is yeah, that early in the early days of of Bitcoin, you could run that run those you could solve those algorithms with maybe like one or two like that. Your personal computer may be able yeah. to execute some of those algorithms, and now. In, in, in although you know crypto has taken a huge dive recently, these uh, there are these multi-million-dollar facilities um, that I think they're mostly centered in the Netherlands, but there are some in the U.S. in which these giant processors work on these mathematical equations, and so and and uh, oh. the reason that that these operations had to be so large to run effectively is because crypto is a compounding problem, right? Yeah. It's a it's an algorithm that has to keep repeating and solving itself over and over again. And every time you add a new layer to that algorithm, whatever whatever rig you're running now has to solve that algorithm and the algorithm before it and the algorithm before it. Right. And the 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 the, the payout for unlocking uh, 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 like solving an algorithm has gone down. Back in the day, you used to get like 16 Bitcoin for that, which. Yeah. A year ago, uh, might have earned you shit like millions of dollars, maybe. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and and now it, it's like diminished more and more and more. So that now it's like if you unlock like a block of crypto, like I think maybe a block of uh, Bitcoin uh, by solving an algorithm, that you may only get like three or four, three or four Bitcoin off of it. I don't remember the exact numbers. Yeah, I mean, I was, who really uh, cares about the the exact exchange rate? It's just the sure. the concept it's, and it's idea diminished. that it's yeah, diminished. It's become a you, it's become a harder. To, you have to expend more effort to get less returns. Yeah, and this yeah. is the way it's built: is that you have to keep expending more and more effort to get less and less returns. That's like the entire basis of cryptocurrency. <laughs> um, well, they've just reinvented uh, 
capitalism. Like they've yeah, just yeah. they 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 have, they have worse rehashed it. Currency, right? <laughs> it's uh, it's it's funny to me that there's a huge prevalence of this in the Mer- in the Netherlands because it's uh like like the our modern concept of capitalism was sort of birthed into existence in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So of course they're always on the cutting edge of whatever shitty new economic ideas that you could cook up within the sphere of acceptable thought. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so um, the, the stuff about the EPA leads into my next link that I wanted to talk about, which cool. is, uh, so the, the EPA has been rolled back for all of America, uh, but uh, this, this kind of already happened for Native American tribes uh, back in April. Um, so this, uh, this article from the Western Environmental Law Center uh, SCOTUS abuses emergency powers to diminish state tribal clean water act autonomy, forcing advocates to back lower court. Um, so today, uh, this is, uh, April 6, 2022. So today, uh, the U S Supreme court of the U S used its, uh, emergency docket to revive a Trump administration administration, clean water act that ruled that sideline states, tribes and the public in permitting decisions for large projects affected water the Supreme Court of the United States provided no reason for its decision or uh, its use of the emergency docket, normally reserved for special circumstances. Justice Kagan led a dissent from four justices, including Chief Justice Roberts. Uh, Today, the Supreme Court's ultra-conservative majority used the emergency docket to both revive an environmentally harmful rule and severely limit the authority of lower courts without writing a single word as to why either was appropriate. Uh, they literally gave no majority opinion on this or anything. It was just, uh, uh, you know, we, we talked about uh, the shadow docket before on this podcast, not specifically with you, uh, C, but uh, we've talked yeah. about it before. But this is essentially what the shadow docket is, is they take on a course, they are a case. Um, they use uh, their their emergency powers uh, to to rule on it. When they use their emergency powers, they don't have to give any kind of opinion or whatever. It's just a simple yes, no vote. And uh, when when that yes, no vote happens, whatever, you know, the default uh, law is based on that vote is is what happens. Uh, there's no nuance to it or anything like that. Um, so uh, basically earlier this year to begin with, uh, tribes already lost a shit ton of their power over, yeah. you know, whether or not they could have access to uh, clean, clean water. Um, and, and again, you know, no, no reason or explanation given. Um, that's a pretty insane. old, that's a pretty old <laughs> fight for, for, for indigenous communities. I was looking this up and it's like, I think back in 1908 is when they like first won the right, to even like, um, you know they, they they were always doing this of course but tribes because they have to survive were taking water from reservoirs and and uh, streams and rivers and stuff like that mm-hmm. and what eventually happened is the the government uh tried to criminalize uh this this survival water that's being taken by tribes and it was like in 1908 uh the court uh ruled that all right yeah it's it's legally acceptable for tribes that we put on reservations to take water from these reservoirs or or rivers or whatever um 
you know, and, and, and even still with, with that right being granted in that way, it was limited to like on an as needed basis, not like, uh, they, they don't get to open up a water park sort of thing. Right. <laughs> um, sure. uh, it's, it's just uh, like, uh, this is survival water. Only. This is, this is, uh, in in some ways it feels like it has like the shades of eugenics that ben wattenberg is trying to push in the first place like yeah. uh oh, many of these reservations don't represent uh the actual homelands of these tribes that inhabit them many of which were pushed further and further uh south and west into yeah. less arable lands less hospitable lands places that don't have uh, uh easy access to groundwater um a lot of tribes in Midwest and the American Southwest are, are were being pushed and sequestered into places that had essentially no value. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, that's that's like the the big prick of it all, right? Is yeah, you know, or all right, we're we're gonna respect your sovereignty and your yourself, you know. Uh, 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 your self determination in this fucking hostile. Right. Yeah, hostile um, wasteland that has almost no value to anyone you know right but, but we're gonna put you in the scrublands of the high desert where you can't grow anything you can't sure uh you can't uh foster anything you can't like actually make a self-sustaining community or anything that like that you're always going to be dependent on the government uh to to give you whatever rations they give you that's that's where like you know uh, uh things like fry bread come from and and you know i'm not shitting on fry bread but, fry bread is good. Yeah, no, of course fry bread is good because uh, the, these are, you know, uh, indigenous, you know, women and, and some men uh, who are who are cooking for their entire families using whatever government rations they were given. And they, they managed to make a, a lemonade out of lemons, uh, essentially. Um, yeah. But, you know, that, that really only speaks to, to the ingenuity of these people. It, uh, it also speaks, like, to the... the severity of the government's treatment of these people right that they, they they had to develop these recipes out of essentially nothing uh that the government was giving them it, it, uh, extreme poverty has colored uh the cuisines the lifestyles and the cultures for uh basically any uh marginalized group in america i, mean, yeah, I uh, uh, if you eat, I used to, <laughs> if you eat any good like soul food stuff, it uh, it comes sure. from a place of poverty. <laughs> I uh, I have followed this guy on YouTube for a while uh, that follows. He does a lot of uh, like 18th and 19th century American cuisine, um, and the the like. He he covers very admirably and includes uh, includes black chefs in this, which I think was really cool. Uh, went in on. Um, uh, like what, like shreds of West African culture, uh, were like survived the transatlantic slave trade and came to America and like, uh, showed off like he had a, a chef like show off like these fried okra uh, fritters, mm -hmm. these okra fritters that are like battered into like a, a vague like patty shape and then fried, uh, um, the name of this townsend's townsend's is the youtube account he's this this cute little guy that looks like uh <laughs> like mary from from lord of the rings uh he looks like a hobbit except he wears like a tricorn hat 
and has like this 18th century, like colonial style kitchen and does all these different things. And, and every time that he gets into uh, food that slaves ate, it's, it's, it's exactly that. It's like what little scraps that people had to survive on. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, well, we see that today in soul food and in, uh, in a lot of Native American uh, cuisine in the, in the, I think specifically fry bread comes from like either Arizona or New Mexico, right? Uh, yeah, that tracks with my, my recollection of it. Um, you also get, uh, uh, grits is another one. Um, mm. so yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of like little, uh, government ration, uh, uh, <laughs> foods that have kind of like entered the mainstream more or less, uh, because, you know, again, the, the ingenuity of these people to survive off of what the government was giving them kind of shown through. It's incredible. Um, but you know, also fuck the government for doing that to them. Yes, uh, yeah, hundred uh, percent. So I forget what the next link is, but I'm sure it ties Let's in with something. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So <clears throat> uh, a Supreme Court ruling that hasn't gotten a lot of media attention, and I and I think I have an idea why this hasn't gotten a lot of uh, media attention. Um, talk about that in a moment, but uh, this uh. This particular headline reads, Supreme Court says Biden can end Trump era remain in Mexico immigration policy. Okay. Uh, so this is actually a positive thing that the, the Supreme Court has done. Um, it's been it was handed down today, I think. Yeah, it was. Uh, no, yesterday. Sorry. Uh, handed down yesterday. Not receiving a whole lot of coverage uh, that that uh, Biden doesn't have to. Uh, maintain the same remain in Mexico policy that that Trump uh, had had instituted. Um, so since since the beginning of his administration, Biden has tried to wind down the policy, which sends certain non-Mexican citizens who entered the U.S. back to Mexico instead of detaining them or releasing them into the United States uh, while their immigration proceedings played out. Um, the ruling was five to four, and states that immigration law gives gives the federal government the discretion to end the program formerly known as migrant protection protocols. This case, the case will go back down to lower courts for additional proceedings around his latest attempt to end the program and hold on Biden's bid to end the program remains in place. But Thursday's ruling suggested that the order should be lifted shortly. Um, so <clears throat> basically the Supreme court has said, uh, that, uh, uh, Biden can, uh, you know, he can reverse this policy. Um, he can allow asylum seekers into America and process them uh, according to, you know, however they should be processed uh, per the federal government's uh, policy guidelines, right? I sure. think the reason that this hasn't received a whole lot of coverage, especially from, you know, like, uh, you know, we're looking at a CNN article, but who the fuck has heard of this ruling uh, outside of me, a weirdo, constantly looking at articles on the internet? Like, this isn't being reported in the mainstream news. Uh, it's not on the TV a lot or anything like that. Um, I think the reason that this isn't being heavily reported on is because Biden really loves deporting people. And uh, we've, yeah. seen, we've seen that through his administration. So the Remain in Mexico policy ending doesn't mean that people are not still going to be processed and by being processed 
uh, end up being deported. It just means that they can cross the border, petition for asylum, and then be rejected by Biden's administration and then ship back to wherever they want to be uh not not wherever they want to be shipped but wherever the federal government wants to ship them essentially sure um, i have some evidence for uh for this um so uh biden suspends rules limiting immigration arrest and deportation uh the rule uh that he suspended and this is a couple of days ago i, I believe um yeah, June 27th. So this is before this ruling comes down. Uh, he suspends rules that were targeting uh, uh, persons of interest that might be criminals. Um, what by, does that mean specifically? So uh, Yeah, I'll, I'll get into that. Um, what this means is that instead of targeting uh, people who are likely to be, you know, criminals in some sort, uh, you know, affiliated with maybe uh maybe cartels or something like that they're no longer going to be specifically targeted uh by uh by arrest uh by by ice essentially right so ice is no longer going to focus on these people that could be criminals uh and what this means is that they're opening up ice to focus on anyone and everyone who has immigrated illegally um so uh what what looks like it may be a good thing uh, on the surface level is actually a really bad thing. Uh, yeah. So the Biden administration reacting to a federal court ruling in Texas has suspended an order that focused resources for the arrest and deportation of immigrants on those who are considered a threat to public safety and national security. The Department of Homeland Security said in a statement Saturday it will abide by the decision issued this month, even though it strongly disagrees and is appealing it. Immigrant advocates and experts on Monday said that the suspension of Biden's order will only sow fear among immigrant communities. Many living in the country illegally will now be afraid to leave their homes out of concern they'll be detained, even if they're otherwise law-abiding, said Steve Yellor, an immigration law professor at Cornell University. So uh, basically, this is opening up ICE to, uh, you know, take anyone and everyone who immigrated uh, illegally, according to their, their rules. Um, sure. and, and, uh, and, and deport them. Uh, so, so no longer is it going to be just focused on people who might actually be bad people. Uh, it's, it's going to be anyone and everyone. Um, sure. So, uh, they, I, you know, this, uh, where this is a recent ruling, um, it, I personally witnessed, uh, you know, living in Northern California, uh, there is a, uh, there was during the Trump administration, I think it's like kind of cooled off a little bit now, but it was certainly prevalent uh, during the Trump administration for ICE officers to just hang out at, at Bay Area rapid transit, the BART uh, stations Yeah, um, were spotted a lot in Oakland and uh, the Mission Street stations in San Francisco uh, where they would just hang out. And what what are what are ICE officers doing at public transit stations other than detaining anyone whom they have, you know, what they consider to be probable cause people that aren't white. Right. Yeah. And, and so this. Uh, this this really only gives them more power to do this sort of thing, because now instead of, you know, necessarily needing to focus on people who might actually have bad intentions, 
Uh, it's, it's again, anyone and everyone who, who might, uh, be here under an undocumented status. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the, the Biden policy on the border has not been good. Um, ending the remain in Mexico policy doesn't mean that we're going to, uh, uh, graciously treat any of these asylum seekers or anything like that. Uh, it Biden. didn't happen during the Obama administration. I can't right, imagine. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's actually been the Obama and Biden administrations that have deported the most people, like per time in office. Sure. Um, and then you know, so so uh, I would be remiss if we brought up this tar- this this topic of immigration without bringing up uh, the horrible mm-hmm. thing that happened at the border recently, um, which there's no real good way to introduce this topic without like extreme depression starting to set in sure. uh but uh you know so there was this tractor trailer that was found near the border um at least 50 people dead found an abandoned 18 wheeler in san antonio uh the authority said the tragedy appears to be the appeared to be the deadliest migrant smuggling operation in memory uh 16 people were taken to, to hospitals um an incredibly gruesome story uh of of uh you know it, it's unconscionable right so were these were these people in transit across the border or were they in transit uh from uh to a hospital uh no so so these people were were trying to cross the border uh okay. they they were being smuggled in by coyotes uh coyotes are you know uh, not good people who are trying to, to capitalize on a bad situation. Yeah. Um, they did not provide adequate, you know, cooling, uh, food, water, etc., to the people in the back of this truck. It was a refrigerated truck. Um, that, that doesn't mean that it's like being kept at refrigeration levels necessarily. Or that, that it's cool or safe for humans to inhabit. Right, yeah. I mean, like it's it's not yeah, it, it's it's not a good place to be in and you know, uh dumbass fucking Abbott, uh governor of Texas, you know, blames this on Biden's open border policy. Um which is what? I I'm not even Yeah, there there is I'm... no such thing as an open border policy that exists right now. And, and if there was an open border policy, why are people this being smuggled be across yeah. the border? That doesn't make any fucking sense. Abbott's a piece of shit. Biden's a piece of shit. Um, really what it is, is uh, the, the closure of the border, the ma- maintenance of the border is what led to this tragedy. And yeah. even if you have this, you know, gut feeling that maybe we shouldn't be letting so many people into our country, um, the... The closing of the border is what leads to this kind of thing happening. It leads to people who are desperate to get across the border because they're fleeing violence in their countries. Violence, which is honestly a lot of times spurred on it, by the U.S. It, it, sure, in yeah, countries. I, I, um, I, uh, one of the first things that comes to mind was Operation Fast and Furious that happened under yep. the Obama administration right, by way exactly. of Eric Holder. Sending sending a bunch of, of weapons to cartels in Mexico that had tracking devices, thinking that they were somehow gullible enough to not disassemble the guns and check them for bugs, you know? 
Yeah, exactly. And and uh, it's uh, it's disastrous policy on top of disastrous policy that leads to the desperation of these people to try to cross the border, uh, relying on, you know, very shady individuals who really don't fucking care if these people live or 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 die. Uh, really, all they care about is that they were handed cash by each of them and they get to run off of that cash now. Um, yeah. So, you know, 50 people die in this in this trailer. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, the, this article is from a couple of days ago. Um, it initially reports that uh, 16 people were taken to hospitals uh, from from this uh, this trailer. Um, but I believe uh, a couple more died while they were uh, hospitalized. Um, the uh, the people who were alive in the back of this truck, first off, imagine you're surviving in this truck surrounded by 50 dead people, uh, yeah. knowing that like your your ticket is about to be punched at any moment. Um, the the officials that that uh, uh, cleared this trailer out uh, said that these people were too weak to leave the trailer without assistance. Um that's that's how emaciated, uh, dehydrated, uh, yeah. many of them were suffering from heat stroke or other heat-related uh, injuries, um, and and this is you know this is happening during the Biden administration, and we can say things like oh yeah Biden's trying to roll back the Remain in Mexico policy, that's cool and good etc. Um, one of the things that the Trump administration proved. And, you know, again, not a pro-Trump podcast, even though we sometimes point out good things that Trump did on accident. Uh, one of the things that the Trump administration proved is that you can just defund an organization and a non-operation. Yeah. And uh, uh, Biden could have eased the uh, Border Patrol is a part of Homeland Security, which is all under yeah. the executive branch of the government. Uh, so it is discretionary to the president of the United States whether or not these organizations get funding, what their policies are, how they they conduct themselves, etc. Um, if Biden really cared about the migrant at the border, making it safely across the border and receiving a fair treatment and and how they're processed after they they cross the border seeking asylum, he could defund. The aspects of border patrol that that enforce the border um, he doesn't want to though but That's he not... doesn't want to and that leads into the next link i have which is uh the biden fiscal year 2023 budget maintains trump era spending on ice and uh, uh customs and border patrol um so <clears throat> last month uh oh that's that's about the pentagon budget we don't need to know about that um the budget also includes the shameful trend and the militarization of immigration policy, maintaining or increasing Trump era spending for immigration and customs enforcement, ICE and customs and border patrol uh, protection or border protection uh, agencies that profile jail and deport immigrants over the span of 20 years. Spending on ICE and CBP more than doubled alongside steady growth and other forms of militarized spending. All the altogether spending on the military, immigrant detention, federal law enforcement, and border militar, militarization accounts for nearly two out of every three dis discretionary dollars spent in the president's budget proposal. Um, 
So major takeaways, a victory for movements organizing to defund immigration uh, enforcement and detention. Uh, President Biden's budget requests a significant cut to the number of ICE detention beds, eliminating oh, all family detention beds and cuts to, ICE, cuts to ICE's enforcement and custody funding. At the same time, the budget continues to expand e-carceration and surveillance programs by the hundreds of thousands. So, so what, what this, this means is that people that get detained by ICE have a greater uh, possibility of just sleeping on a bare floor. Like, is that what uh, I'm, what so I'm taking away here? Kind of yes and, and kind of not. So, so there is some good in that. Uh, but the problem is that, so this word here, e-carceration, yeah. uh, that means instead of um, detaining people, and uh and uh bringing them to like an ice facility and uh you know detaining them in the ice facility uh incarceration is is kind of uh it's it's a mixed bag of uh good and bad things uh incarceration is essentially having a tracking uh uh ankle bracelet right mm-hmm. so um wh- where there's a little bit of positive in ice like maintaining custody of these people and that like you have to feed these people if you have custody of them they no longer have custody of them but you know they're also kind of just being like thrown to the wolves uh yeah where where they don't have an ability to uh maintain any employment because they're you know officially documented illegal um and and then also like they can't leave their homes or like go anywhere that they're not approved to go to uh so or not their homes but wherever they're staying sure. um so so it's a mixed bag of of positives where yeah they're not uh maybe being abused by ice uh prison guards but they're also like not empowered to do anything but um exist in a a, a stasis uh so to speak um but as as we know uh, humans don't live in stasis. We need to eat and provide for ourselves and things like that. So, yeah, not great. Also, expanded surveillance measures uh, always fall back on uh, regular citizens as well. Yeah. Um, not that we should be like focusing on regular citizens, but it's just it just goes to show how asinine this kind of thing is. Where any victory for for you know like, um not detaining people horribly ends up being like a, a net loss anyways because because of how we operate these things and that's that's not something that uh, a lot of americans are horribly concerned about no um there has been controversy in uh here in san francisco in regards to the city has banned I believe it's uh, drone usage or surveillance uh, in terms of law enforcement as well as facial recognition technology. And there's a lot of kickback from people who just feel like this only applies to, you know, coke dealing murderers or something like yeah, that. Like, right, this, right, like right. This, this crazy conception of what, what they think uh, the average criminal looks like in their head. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so uh, continuing on this article. Uh, the president's budget requests increasing funding for CBP beyond Trump-era spending levels, including the funding uh, of hundreds of new Border Patrol agents and funneling hundreds of millions towards invasive border surveillance technology. 
Um, this comes after the FY 2022 omnibus, omnibus budget bill passed earlier this year, maintained, uh, <sighs> fuck words, uh, CBP funding levels, roughly the same as Trump era spending. So, so basically they're just adding on to spending. Um, so, uh, ice is losing a little bit of spending. Spunding, funding. <laughs> the booze is kicking in. Uh, yeah, me uh, too. But uh, CBP is like increasing its uh, its funding. Um, and you know why? Why would Biden choose to fund CBP more if he wasn't interested in maintaining that hard border? Um, it doesn't track. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, of course. Um, and then one of the major takeaways here, I think, is uh, it requests $17.7 million for transportation of non-citizens at the southwest border. So okay. uh, almost exclusively tailored to, okay, yeah, you can cross the border, we'll process you, and we'll ship you to somewhere else. Yeah. What were you going to say? Uh, no, I, I wasn't going, going to say anything. You're good. Oh, okay. Uh, this is an article we looked at uh, earlier this year, or earlier last, yeah, late last year, earlier in the timeline. Um, <clears throat> Biden was mass deporting uh, people to Haiti. Uh, this article says that uh, around 14,000 Haitians will be expelled from the U.S. over the coming three weeks. Uh, that number ended up being around like 20 to 21,000. Um, wow. Yeah, so again, uh Biden in charge of immigration policy, mass deportations. A lot of these deportations are like black bag deportations where people uh, don't even actually like know where they're being led or or where they're going to end up. Uh some of them went to Guantanamo Bay, uh which is uh really That cool. isn't in Haiti. Yeah, that's not in Haiti at all and also uh I thought Obama closed that, didn't he? That that was something that was on the table, and that was actually something you know grabbed me a lot. Uh, I guess I don't know what to tell you, man. I recently read about the McDonald's that they have open in Guantanamo Bay. I didn't know that, but they do have a location there. Insane, anyway, right? go ahead. Like, yeah, you, you, you gotta have the comforts of home, I guess. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, the the Biden border policy, you know, um. In, in, in as much as the Remain in Mexico ruling has been reported on, uh, it's been being reported on in uh, in terms of like friendliness to the Biden administration trying to end it. Um, I would caution people from taking that as a win because the Biden administration seems pretty much tailored financially to export people uh, after they, they cross the border. So it's it's no humane achievement that that's really happened here. And uh, this is this is a, a textbook calling card of American imperialism that that Haiti has been uh, systematically bullied for its existence by the U.S. and France mm -hmm. basically since they 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 killed their way to independence. Um, yeah, this is this is this is just more of the same. Right, which, which goes back to you know the the point of this episode, which is that you know <laughs> there's just this callous disregard for human life 
in America's history. Yeah. And so if you're if you're like super surprised about why the Supreme Court um is doing all these things that like abuse uh, you know all of our domestic rights uh I mean that that's like that's the operation that's that's the machine that's that's what it's meant to do uh is is callously disregard life in favor of whatever evil thing the government wants to do right sure. um but uh <clears throat> never fear uh democrats are on the case <laughs> What are they? What are they on the case about? Um, should we should we look up that Kamala Harris uh, uh, interview? I feel oh, like I feel like go it's got, it. I feel like it's gotten way too much airtime, so I didn't include it in the links. But now I'm like, eh, maybe we should. Yeah, go for it. Go yeah. for it. Fuck it. Oh man, there's got to be something. Something with less less of a runtime than that. Um, yeah, maybe you could uh, you could uh, tune out of this or like uh, uh, like end it whenever you want. I don't fuck. Oh yeah, yeah no, we we've only got a couple of links left. Um, okay, right, cool. I, I always like to include a mouthwash link at the end, so uh, we have got a yeah, fun yeah. one to look at. Cool. Let's um, do it. But yeah, I I think this is a this is a good one to look at. Uh just just on the on the subject of what Democrats are doing uh to to uh to resist in this moment. You were on a plane when the Supreme Court overturned yeah. Roe versus Wade as the highest ranking woman yeah. ever elected. I, I love this. Um this image right here. Uh she tweeted this out with uh, you know, something along the lines of like we're shocked about what has happened and uh we're 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 here and we're we're gonna fight alongside of you. Um, and we're watching the TV with you. I, yeah, I love right, it. exactly. Kamala Harris is just watching the TV on a private jet. Thank, <laughs> while, thank God. While some thank lackey God. while she's, some lackey is like walking out of the room and she's I, looking I, pensive at, at the TV. I'm suddenly I'm suddenly transported to my morning commute to my nine to five job nine to five job where I board a private jet and watch the news. Uh yeah. She's really uh she's really pulling at my heartstrings right now. Anyway, go ahead. No, 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 no. That's all good commentary. I love it. Um also just like the 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 idea that like um the 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 Roe decision was was kind of more or less known about two months ago um and and her watching the news as this happens like oh geez they really caught us off guard with this one um after we knew about it two months ago <laughs> like it's 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 beyond parody at this point right like they they should have known that uh this decision was going to be handed down you know whether or not it would be exactly the same way as the the uh the the leaked opinion would be uh, they should have known that this was going to happen and they should have been making plans to circumvent this, right? And so here we have uh, Harris looking at the TV, pensive, like, wow, I can't believe they actually did it. You knew about this two months ago. Yes. This this should not be a shocker to you. You also were literally a stone's throw away from where these fucking people operate. Uh, I don't know, take a walk over there and talk to them. There's no law against that. You can talk to them. You're the fucking vice president. 
talk to them and be like, so what are you guys really doing? After KG and they don't want to talk to you, you can be like, all right, fuck you guys. Uh, you guys are going to do something shady and bad. Uh, so now I'm going to prepare for that. You know, like there, there's no excuse for this. Uh, but but well, we'll continue. We did vi- vote in as a nation. We voted in an ultra racist old grandpa and RoboCop to be the president and vice president yeah. of the country. So Uncle Tom the RoboCop. Uh, yeah, there you go. Anyway, please continue with the history. video. What was going through your mind at that moment? Well, so I was on Air Force Two heading to Aurora, Illinois to talk about maternal health. We were um, with Lauren Underwood, with with the chair of judiciary, Dick Durbin, Senate Judiciary. We were headed there to unveil a plan of based on the work we've been doing to ensure that women receive the kind of support they need during and post-pregnancy. And, um, you know, we thought that the decision would come down sometime soon, but not at that moment. And I was shocked. And, um, you know, it's one thing. So, again, um, for those of you who may not be familiar with the Supreme Court, uh, she says, we, we figured the ruling would come, ta- come down sometime soon, but we weren't sure when. Uh, this is literally the period that all rulings come down. Um, and she, as somebody who operates at the highest level of the executive branch in America, should know that the Supreme Court's term ends at, at the end of June and all rulings are passed down. Uh, at at mid to late June, uh, everybody mm-hmm. knows this who follows politics closely. Um, so her acting like, "Wow, we we didn't know when this ruling was going to happen." Absolute fucking bullshit. Bold face line. Sure, sure, but it's you know it's 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 presented in a way that, and in, in much of these things are like that Wall Street Journal article that I sent you. That it's just repackaged in this nice and yummy way that if you don't implicitly accept it, you know, you're, you're going to get, you're, you're going to get like talked down to by someone for being a piece of shit or a bad faith actor or whatever the fuck. Right. Yeah. The, the, the dog whistle of choices these days. <laughs> thing when you know something's going to happen, it's another thing when it actually happens. And I just actually turned everything now i have 12 men flying home in caskets this is arsenal whoever killed my men they're not going to prison that's not how this ends the terminal list new series now streaming on prime video and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Um, because they actually did it. So can and and here's what they did. That was fucking awesome. The, I loved the it. The court actually took a constitutional right that has been recognized for half a century and took it from the women of America. That's shocking. When you think about it, in terms of what that means in terms of democratic principles, in terms of the ideals upon which we were founded about liberty, about freedom. Um, you know, I thought about it as, you know, a parent. We have two children who are in their 20s, a son and a daughter. I thought about it as a godparent of teenagers. I thought of it as an aunt of, of, of preschool children. And a woman yourself. And a woman myself. And the daughter of a woman. And a granddaughter of a woman. 
And, Insightful. you know, my husband and I are actually talking about it. We have a, a 23-year-old. All, all that she's expressed is that she was, in fact, birthed by Our daughter yeah. will not um, know the rights for the... So I, don't, I don't think this uh, clip is going to have, like, the, the really important part where... Dana Bash essentially asks, like, what is your plan to combat this? And uh, Harris has to basically go, oh, well, you know, we're we're looking into everything. And then uh, and then Dana Bash is like, well, what about like uh, federal land using federal lands as a loophole? And uh, Harris has to be like, well, we're not looking into that, though. We We haven't begun looking into that at all. And it's like this is like. I don't know. This is like grade school level, like a uh, political analysis. Shit is, is sure, like... <laughs> sure. But I, I could see, I could see where she strikes a chord with a lot of people. She is very popular. She's very much like a, a very like squeaky clean order in the way like our, our, our fucking guy, Mayor Pete is. Um, and uh, she reminds me a lot of him in the way that not only the way they talk is very similar, it's in like this very like weird and like sedating kind of way. Like she's like, yeah, it's it's nothing words that are dressed up a lot. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 uh, proconsul Pete does the same thing. Yep, he does the same thing. He he speaks in this very like assured and sedating manner. Um. They were they remind me a lot of each other in, in that that they they have the, the these very like milk toast thoughts and very the, they're uh, I guess like technically proficient but very hollow orders um, that both have very like honorable and uh, very valid uh, father figures. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. Um. So, you know, the the Democrats have uh, no real response to anything that's happening right now with the Supreme Court. Um, a thing I wanted to touch on, though, is the losing strategy of the Democrats in general. And again, yeah. this is not a pro-Democrat uh, podcast, but, you know, if, if these people are going to say that they're standing up for certain rights, uh, we should investigate that and... Uh, determine how legitimate that claim is definitely uh so this uh this article from npr there's there's a couple of other articles you can find on it but uh, a lot of them are paywalled because that's how the news works now i guess uh democrats are bankrolling ads promoting fringe republican candidates here's why uh the the general uh theory or notion of why they're doing this is uh that you Get involved with the GOP primary to um, uh, fund somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks Marjorie Taylor Greene is a crazy person. She's got these Jewish space laser conspiracies. She's got all these mm -hmm. fringe beliefs that, uh, you know, any realistic person uh, would would immediately identify as uh, as garbage nonsense, right? Um. So the Democratic Party is funding GOP candidates who are fringe and uh, and betting on the fact that the voting populace will vote for their moderate Democrat uh, opposition rather than the uh, crazy far 
extremist right uh, GOP candidate. Um, mind you, this is an organization, as we discussed earlier, uh, likes to fund people like Henry Quaylar, or Quayar, sorry, um, rather than Jessica Cisneros. Uh, so, so they fund uh, moderates who are also kind of right leaning to begin with, um, and and uh, they expect uh, you know these 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 crazies to lose against the Henry Quayar types. Um, that's not the case, and I think this is a misreading of the the current political moment where a lot of people, a lot of the voter base, especially the Republican voter base, is being radicalized to vote for insane people. Um, and uh you know that's an easy sell for them that's an easy sell for them fucking george w he was barely conscious mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah these these people aren't opposed to uh to crazies or uh barely reagan conscious was a, individuals. reagan was a fucking cowboy actor what the fuck is that <laughs> right exactly <laughs> so so you know they're they're missing uh especially the political moment right now but historically, this has been a risky gamble that has not paid off except for like in a couple of instances. And they're relying on those couple of instances to like be the uh, the, the navigation uh, metrics that they use for how they how they do this. Um, it's it's insane. It's stupid. They could just fund uh, uh, their own party. Right. Like the progressives in their own party. But. They're so ideological proposed or opposed to any kind of positive thing happening that what they do instead is they fund crazy right wingers so that they can uh, beat them with moderates. And that doesn't even work out all the time. Um, The GOP, on the other hand, uh, and this is a this is an article I wanted to look at on the podcast for a while, but I haven't really had a chance to because things have been so busy with other stuff. Uh, but the RNC has been popping up a bunch of community centers around uh, uh, minority communities. Um, and what they're doing uh, is pretty insidious, which is, you know, the, the GOP is behind a lot of the austerity measures that have been implemented in the last couple of years that have led to people, you know, not having food security and stuff like that. Uh, and so what they do is they pop up one of these uh, community centers uh, in a minority community and uh, they do things like pizza parties. And so, you know, this is a, this is a chance for parents who are struggling to put food on the table to bring their family to this community center and get a free meal out of it. Meanwhile, they're being blasted with conservative propaganda and and all this other sort of shit, right? Well, there's you know there's not too much effort that needs to be made to 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 undo the the loyalty to the DNC in places that America right. has led spiral into chaos. That, right, that because it's, because it's, the DNC kicking. isn't doing anything like this, and the RNC exactly. is actually fulfilling some kind of material need, even though they're responsible for that material need being there in the first place, Certainly. doesn't matter to the person who has to feed their children, who has to feed you know their family. It doesn't matter to them. They go, all right, well, you know, the DNC might have some good ideas, and I might agree with them on a bunch of political issues, but the RNC is actually feeding. And that's what really fucking matters to people is yeah. these bread and butter issues of whether or not they can actually provide for their families. And 
if the RNC is the only thing that's making any kind of material impact in their life, of course they're going to be more like uh, 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 receptive to the RNC. Certainly, certainly. And, and the fact that the 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 Republican National Convention has the 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 wits about them to do this kind of thing, even though you know recognizing that it's incredibly insidious what they're doing because they are the cause of this austerity uh you know just shows how completely outmatched the the democratic party is uh because they 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 refuse to do anything good for anyone ever and what you're supposed to vote for the democratic party on is all of these uh rights and ideals that never actually come into fruition in any real way because they never make an effort to push these things through they never make an effort to get you know things like row codified uh so why would you vote for the people who do absolutely nothing material for you uh can only run on on the prospect of uh we're not the people who want to stab you to death we're the people that means test stabbing you to death um like like why would you vote for them and and you know the, the rnc i think knows that a lot of these people aren't going to vote for the Republican candidate, but what they're going to do is not vote for the Democratic candidate either. Sure. Uh, they're, they're nullifying a vote, uh, essentially, by by mixing up and confusing people. Um, and, and, and I they, mean, they confusing may, people... Go ahead. They may earn some converts after after a while, you know, right. maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. it would be a slow trickle, but they're, they're definitely... They're they're earning some some type of like credit to a community that exists in a food desert that has uh, it, it, it's you a know. it's a net win for them because best case scenario they get some converts worst case scenario they muddy the waters of everything and I, I you know I was starting to interject on myself when I started this point a minute ago. Uh, it's not even that they're muddying the waters. It's uh, they're they're correctly making people identify that hey, the DNC doesn't do anything for me. I I disagree with the RNC. I'm going to become completely depoliticized, and uh, whoever gives me pizza, uh, you know, is is my friend for that day and that day only. Um, yeah. They get a net win out of this, uh, and and again, not a pro democratic uh, party podcast either, but. If the Democratic Party really wanted to win anything, they would be doing stuff like this. They would be on the ground game. They would be, uh, you know, talking with marginalized communities, but also providing for marginalized communities in a way that says, not only am I like committed to your greater political, legislative, uh, you know, uh, uh, material needs and rights and, and that sort of thing, but also, you know, like, I'm I'm here for the pizza party on Fridays and stuff like sure. that. Um, the fact that the Democratic Party does basically nothing like this. I mean, the last thing I saw was was this photo op moment of uh, a bunch of like uh, you know Klobuchar. Um, I think uh, 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 yeah, it was like Klobuchar, Buttigieg, uh, Biden, and uh, a couple of other like. Uh, uh, democratic party higher ups uh like had a little cookout thing uh uh either today or yesterday and uh, uh it was really just like a photo op session and and you know it's 
it's them celebrating America in a moment where a lot of people are really questioning like their faith in America to begin with. Um, you know, because it's all like July 4th oriented, uh, 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 celebration. Um, but yeah, no, uh, it's something that I've wanted to cover for a while. Uh, it, it speaks to the shrewdness and the uh, political sharpness of the Republican Party, uh, who I am completely opposed to, of course. Yeah, I'm but with you. I can recognize when my, my enemy is using a, a strategy that that works. And, sure. And be sure. And they, they, <laughs> they, I, where I have there, I have not, nor will I ever endorse the Republican Party in any in any capacity whatsoever, or the Democratic Party. Completely off the table. It's not gonna. It's not gonna fucking happen. Right. Um, the the RNC has uh, a a strong stronger connection to their contingencies, where you have like the Democrats um, are are using like table talk and gossip and social media to like create like these like vassal parties where there are people who like fundamentally may not agree with uh concepts or like basic principles that drive the dnc but they just don't want a republican in office which is i is understandable like i i, I get that um but there there are certainly like a lot of people in the dnc where there's like a lot of infighting or people that just happen to vote for for, for democrats in general um there's a lot of people who wouldn't be there for anything other wanting to than wanting to keep the republican out of office uh where like the rnc is like it's they're pretty unified mm-hmm. you know there it's like the like neoconservative thought is more or less uniform across the board well yeah and and you know this this uh speaks to another point that i make a lot of times when i'm when i'm shit posting and stuff which is um you know the the republican party understands how political power works and mm-hmm. understands that if you want to have a fervent following of a, a a real solid base that will follow you no matter where you go you have to deliver for them politically and the Republican Party, even though it is a minority in the legislation right now, is still running the fucking game on Democrats. It is doing everything it wants to do. It's achieving everything it told its voters it would accomplish. And it's it's doing it in a very shrewd way. It's manipulating the rules any way it can to achieve the, the goal, the outcome uh, that it promised to achieve. And Democratic Party... Uh, just does not fucking do that and people notice that people don't forget that and they you know they they become disillusioned with the democratic party and rightfully so and it's the democratic party's responsibility it's the democratic party's job to get voters and make people enthusiastic about voting for them and if they Mm -hmm. can't do that it's because they're they're missing their 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 bases the desires or or they're just like refusing to do anything that would expand their base in a way that would get grant them more political power and it's notable that again you know going back to the article i brought up a little bit ago that the the democratic party is more willing to fund gop candidates than it is progressive members that are trying to run on its own party right sure 
Uh, so so there's there's a clear indication of how they want this thing to run. They're dead set and trying to thread the needle between corporate power and like playing enough lip service to people uh, to gain some some amount of popular support. Well, that's uh, that's the the ethic of the of the old guard of the DNC. Uh, that's that's that that is like their calling card and like people like Biden and also Wattenberg that also try to find this. Uh, they try to find some sort of power by kowtowing to conservative demand. That's that's uh, an old school of thought at this point, you know, amongst, you know, uh, amongst Democrats. Yeah, for sure. Um. So we've uh, we spent quite a lot of time talking tonight, but I, I do have a mouthwash link for us uh, because everything sure, we talked about so far has just been uh, garbage. Yeah, and, this and has definitely been a this has definitely been like a that's one. So I mean, uh, y- you listen to the podcast, right? You don't have to answer that. <laughs> yes, I yes I do. I, I do listen to the Whatever, podcast. I, I began I began as a listener <laughs> who who engaged with you in meaningful and also very stupid ways and sometimes a combination of both and here we are yeah so Um, you know what we do here we uh we do uh mass depression and then uh we we throw some jokes on top of it so we don't uh cut ourselves before we go to sleep um so here here's uh here's where we throw a little humor on everything um jordan peterson has been suspended from twitter (laughs) Uh, the reason why he's been suspended from Twitter is uh, one of the most insane tweets I think I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's saying a lot coming from him. I just I remember one one thing that came out came out to me stood out to me was the one where he's like radical leftist sky Satan or something like that. Like yeah really... yeah I mean he he's done a lot of incoherent tweets I would say but like. Yeah. This one just just goes beyond like the the pale of belief, I guess. Um, so uh, Jordan Peterson tweets out uh, June twenty second. Uh, this this happened a week ago. He was only recently banned for this tweet because uh, I guess enough people uh, reported it or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, Jordan Peterson, uh, uh, literally the meme where uh, you know it's like nobody says nothing. And uh, Jordan Peterson walks in with, remember when pride was a sin? Ellen and Ellen Page just had her breast removed by a criminal physician. Um, what does it mean? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, during, during I am, pride month, <laughs> I am, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to say I am so excited and I'm not being hyperbolic. I mean, I'm so excited for historians that look upon this time in history yeah if they're ones to even speak of they don't get bombed out of existence <laughs> i'm really excited for the people who have to study this point yeah i mean if the, if there's a case for uh you know the the eradication of the human race the the the, <laughs> the, the discovery of uh, like a mostly intact twitter archive will be like the rosetta stone of like 800 years from now yeah, you know that's uh-huh. that's gonna be in a museum <laughs> or something. I I always and like to imagine that like uh, aliens like a couple thousand years from now will land on this uh, planet, um, identify some some signs of like previous intelligent life, for sure. Uh, figure out how to boot up a computer and then like 
this tweet will be like uh, on the uh, the browser. Yeah, it's like <laughs> someone there somewhere. Even if, if it's not at Twitter headquarters itself, there is a complete archive of every tweet ever made. Right, it's got to exist somewhere. No, 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 it, it does. Like, uh, there's even like third party sites that like uh, track like uh, uh, deleted posts and stuff like that. So, so okay. everything still exists off like like Twitter. When Twitter became a thing is probably the last time your uh, your digital record was was a uh, uh, non permanent, right? Like, yeah, um, a lot of us had like live journals back in the day. That's all. That's all gone from the internet. You can't find a lot of that shit anymore. Um, yeah, Twitter. When when Twitter became a thing, that was the last time your your digital footprint was no longer uh, uh, non permanent. So. That is to say, once Twitter existed, your digital footprint lasts forever now. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, uh, remember when Pride was a sin and Ellen Page has had her breasts removed by a criminal physician. Um, Jordan Peterson has reportedly been suspended from Twitter following a post about transgender actor Elliot Page that broke the platform's rules against hateful conduct. Screenshots posted online show the tweet in question from the Canadian clinical psychologist account, which reads, yeah, we already read that. Uh, Page came out as transgender in 2020, announcing he would now be known as Elliot Peterson. 60 is guilty of dead naming the 25 year old Umbrella Academy star uh, Peterson. Uh, so, so Peterson, who joined the staff of the conservative podcast outlet Daily Wire on Thursday, is infamous for his anti-trans stance. Uh, he once claimed on Joe Rogan's podcast that being transgender is a result of a contagion and similar to a sat satanic ritual abuse. Um, so uh, pretty hilarious that Jordan Peterson has been banned from Twitter. Uh, but the article touches on something that uh, basically is is uh, what what is driving all of this, um, which is that uh, uh, Jordan is. Jordan is now on the Daily Wire podcast circuit, and I want to say I I can't think of a certain or a a, a single uh, individual on the Daily Wire who hasn't started their career off of some like aggrievement of being banned off of Twitter or Facebook. Um, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So, so this is basically just like the old method of. Uh, building a bunch of uh aggrievement rhetoric um i'm being censored by the radical left when it's just like no you just violated simple terms of a fairly libertarian uh, uh social media oh, i mean platform. they used to have fucking everything on twitter there's it still is fucking wild it's like you can go and you could find like the blogs of like 13 year old 14 year old kids in high school and then there's people that are posting like straight up porn you know, yeah. like the, it's it's the everything is on Twitter and it, it is only it is only uh, uh, checked in like really extreme circumstances and in instances with like JBP and like Trump. It's people who are like very powerful and have like a big voice that like eventually they do something that gets them pulled. Um, right. And the people they, who who helped folks like jordan peterson run their social media accounts they're pretty well aware of what the uh the posting guidelines are yeah. and what could trigger again um 
this is just a suspension. This isn't permanent as far as I know. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Peterson has come out saying he will never delete the tweet, no matter what. And it's like, no, I don't even think you're you're even being asked to delete the tweet. Uh, you're just being like put on time out for a little bit. Um, yeah, yes. Yeah, I couldn't imagine this lasting more than like maybe a month. Yeah. So, uh, actually, let's see if uh, it's got some kind of uh, data on on how long it's supposed to be. Um. Yeah, it doesn't really say how long the ban is supposed to be, but uh, who cares? Uh, this is all just agreement politics in order to to boost us. So, so Jordan Peterson's show on the Daily Wire uh, is behind a paywall. So basically, he's uh. He's doing the old, I've been banned from social media, so the only way that you can hear my words of wisdom is by uh, donating to the Daily Wire or subscribing to me on the Daily Wire, um, giving Ben Shapiro some money and myself some money in order to hear my my wonderful wonderful words of wisdom. And and both of their uh, throttling and brassy baritone voices. Yeah. Uh, re- really, like unironically hard to listen to oh, people. Wondering, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it's, uh, that's, it's the, too that's bad. The it's too bad that uh, it's too bad that uh, the man himself he hasn't been on the pod. Uh, I know that in days that you you didn't have Dorian, you'd have the man himself. Uh, yes. Jump in, jump in on your shit. Yeah, hate hate to see too a bad. good one go out like too bad that. He couldn't. He's too bad he couldn't make appearance today. Anyways, yeah. Well, that's uh, that's more or or less the the end of the show. Um, do you have anything you would like to pitch uh, before you go? Not at all. Not, not at all. Not man. a single fucking thing. Not a single fucking thing. Uh, maybe the next time that I pop in on the show, I'll have something for you. C doesn't do anything. We put him in a cabinet and then he enters stasis. Yeah. Um, and that's how it goes. They, they got me on a catheter and everything. It's fucking awful, <laughs> man. Well, I mean, it's it's a medical necessity is how we treat sure. it. Uh, it's, it's either uh, that or you pee pee and poo poo all over your cabinet. And, uh, of course. Can't have that. Yeah. Cleaning that up and all the the bed sores you were getting, it it was too much work. Um, So uh, the pitch I always give at the end of the show, uh, the the Benzo Rehab Dungeon is and always will be a free publication, broadcast, etc. If you would like to donate to this project, you can go to patreon.com slash Benzo Rehab Dungeon. You can give as little or uh, as much as you'd like to. it won't earn you anything special. I, I'd lay that out clearly uh, before you do this, uh, but but we do appreciate it. Um, it, it helps us pay for certain. Uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Subscription services and stuff uh, like that. And your your business vacations and whatnot. Yeah, my 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 lavish business vacations, uh, my my crippling uh, my crippling meth addiction, etc. And um, uh, building out your uh, your crypto mining uh, CPU. Yeah, facility. also also my my crypto mining. Well, I, I've kind of uh, deinvested in that. Sure. Uh, so if anybody wants to buy video cards, uh, hit me up. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, for for real, uh, we we do appreciate it. But uh, you know, uh, I, I don't want anybody to believe that uh, you get anything special for donating. Um, with that being said, 
uh, uh see this is not your first time here so i hope you have like a sign off line prepared but no uh, i absolutely do not son of a, uh, you've got like five <laughs> seconds to come up with one i i have absolutely nothing for you uh, uh you know uh mike is gonna tell you to take your medicine i think you also should look into therapy if your if your insurance covers it all right well i mean that that's good that's the sign off line so as always we love you please take your medicine good night no you're supposed to tell me to go to therapy man come on oh yeah go to therapy whatever <laughs> oh.